0: Sam Reimer and I'm uh, Manny Manuel it's one of the big ones Fuck yes first of all it's our seventh annual wow top 10 of the year list that is the episode today but it's kind of combined with another one of our annual traditions which is to say Manny Happy salmon anniversary to you. Happy salmon anniversary to you, yeah. my friend. On the day this podcast episode will be released, it'll be our sixth anniversary of mm-hmm. starting this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first ever episode was the top 10 of 2017. Yeah. Uh, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. Long, long time ago. And yeah. we've come a long way since. We have- Hopefully, we don't suck quite as bad. We suck a little bit, but. Not nearly as bad as that first episode. We're
1: definitely better. I've listened to that first episode a couple times. I never have
0: and I don't really intend to Don't
1: do it. Yeah. It is I remember rough. at least
0: a few a few of the stumbles that I made where in the moment I was so in my own head of like this is terrible this is fucking garbage why are we why am I doing this never doing this again and then I went on and did it another 281 times <laughs> I <laughs> or, took a few more because there's some bonuses oh but yeah but also, that, but then you it's also probably yeah it's probably actually roughly 281 because <laughs> we had some bonuses and then we had some anyway very true you get it. I do. Um, But yeah, uh, it's it's been another another year in the books Mm -hmm. uh, and another year uh, well spent. Yes. Another year that we had a lot of fun and uh, most importantly for the purposes of this episode, uh, another year of uh, pretty good movies, I think. I think I'm pretty happy with most of my top 10. Now, normally, I guess I should also leave the note that um, in years past, we've usually waited until March to do our top 10 of the year. Yes. Reason for that being, that's when the Oscars come out. So we would load up, on a ton of movies over the next several months um in anticipation of doing our top 10 of the year so uh there are going to be several omissions due to us doing our top 10 of the year now but the benefit being we're not reviewing the previous year a quarter of the way into the next one (laughs) you know we're still we're still in january so the year 2023 is still fresh in our heads so it still makes a little bit of sense to talk about these films
1: yeah, I'm we we discussed this uh last year and then we discussed it um late into 2023 and I I wanted I I wanted to get your feedback and you were on the same page as me. I I just felt that when we were doing our top 10s with the Oscars while it fit thematically, uh I really hated doing wrapping up 2023 like you said a quarter of the year into the next year. It it just felt weird. And so I I said I'm like I would really like to do our top 10 in January this year. So it's kind of top of mind, and we can always – while we do use our votes and our rankings for the Sampas, I said it could be um, subject to change. And we could – if you and I both decide that there are some changes, we can reveal our changes at the Sampas.
0: Yeah, I think – I'm just going back in my letterbox here. I watched – I have I think 35 2022 movies watched mm-hmm. and I'm just checking to see how many of them were watched in between January and March. Um it was it was a fair amount, but it wasn't a a ton. Uh it's actually it's actually more than I thought. Um so I mean we're recording this on what the 24th. So after the 24th, I added 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10. Uh, I I did add 10 2022s in February and March of two thousand. How many of those were Oscar films? Um, by Oscar films, you mean uh, Best Picture nominated or just nominated for anything? Nominated for anything. Um, one was After Sun nominated for anything? Yep. In that case, one, two, th- three. What date was the ceremony? Oh, it was the twelfth last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, one, two, three. Yeah, in March I watched Everything Everywhere All at Once although i had that's a rewatch s- i'd seen it already so that doesn't count uh after sun was a first watch rrr was a first watch then in february fablemans was a first watch menu tar so half of them were for the oscars yeah yep makes yep. sense so yeah um that being said uh, i don't know how many i would have how many 2022s i would have had logged at this time last year but i do know that i have a good amount logged this year i think we're going to get to that mm-hmm. um but i'm i'm happy with the amount i have logged already even so even though i'm missing a few pretty notable movies i'm actually quite comfortable making a pretty um a, like a pretty decisive top 10 um there's at least one that i really wish would have come to camloops yeah me to see i think you know the one i do i mean really there's three but definitely there's one <laughs> um but yeah i i've certainly watched enough where i feel comfortable already uh making my top 10 okay
1: is the point okay Uh, Before we get into this year, we always make an annual tradition of looking back at last year. Mm -hmm. So we are going to revisit our top 10 of 2022 and see if we've changed it. Now, according to the rules, it is an even-numbered year, so I will have to go first since we are talking about 2022. Mm -hmm. So my uh, top 10 2022, uh, this is my list last year. Should I do it ascending? Uh, yeah, do Descending. Okay. So my number 10 was Tar. Number 9 was The Northman. 8 was Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Number 7 is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Number 6, All Quiet on the Western Front. 5, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. 4 is Prey. 3 is R, 2, The Fablemans. And number 1 is Top Gun Maverick. With my list being top of mind, I might as well just do my revision right now. Sure. Okay. My number 10 is new to the list. And that is
0: the movie Babylon. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. When you, when you slotted that in there, did you have a little smile, you I have did. a little wry smile? You're like, yeah. Gonna like this. yeah. I did re-listen to most of our top of 2022 episode mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. You had that at 20. Yeah. You had that at 20 last year. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. That's quite the jump.
1: Uh, my number nine is now Tar moves up one spot. Mm-hmm. Um. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three. All the same. Hmm. No change. Change at the top. Fablemans takes over at number one. Top Gun Maverick drops to number two. And sorry, what was number 10 previously that got booted off? Nope. Number 10 was Tar. got moved up to nine. Okay. So then we'll... the Northman at number
0: nine gets dropped. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is so funny because I remember you uh, watching that early in the year. Yep. Giving it a five and giving quite five. high on it. Yep. How the Mighty have fallen. Very true. But last year,
1: I think last year was an incredible year for movies it was absolutely incredible year
0: for mm-hmm. movies sam your top 10 in 2022 was to remind people the old list was top gun maverick at number 10 fableman's number nine so your <laughs> your <laughs> top two of the year at the bottom of my list uh number eight same as yours good luck to you leo grand number seven banshees of in a sharon uh six all quiet on the western front five marcel de Shell with shoes on four nope three rrr two babylon one Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were some changes this time around. Nice. Um, So, uh, 10, 9, 8 remain the same. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, the Men's. good luck to you, Leo Grant. Okay. Number seven, losing a spot, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Drops one. Drops one. Okay. Uh, And then uh, flipping with that. So, I guess uh, my seven and my six are switched places. My new six is now Banshee's and Sharon. Okay. Uh, Number five, down a spot, is Nope. Nope, drops. Number four down the spot is RRR. Oh, fucker. Number three, I think it's going to shock you. Is everything, everywhere, all at once.
1: Doesn't shock me.
0: Number two, having bumped up three spots. Is Marcel. Is Marcel of shoes on. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and number one, it's Babylon, baby. Yeah, we even said last year, we were like, I think by this time next year, Fableman's was going to be number one on yours. Yep. And uh, Babylon is going to be number one on mine. We kind of knew it at the time. We did. Um, Marcel... I was not surprised that it surpassed... Nope. I was not surprised that it surpassed RRR. I am. I was a little bit surprised that it surpassed Everything Everywhere All at Once for me. And I'm not. It's not an indictment on Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, I just fucking love that movie. I just keep wanting to revisit it over and over again, and it makes me feel so good, good. to watch Good, I'm Marcel. glad.
1: Could I um, surprise you with something? Yes. Okay. You were talking about... We mentioned Babylon. Uh, there was actually something else you mentioned last year. Could I play it for you? Sure. Okay. Going right here. Uh, just for those knowing, uh, Sam has no idea I was going to do this. I have no idea. All right, thing. here we go. Ready?
0: Damien Chazelle has made two films in my top 20 of all time. Oh, sorry. Uh, La La Land didn't make my top 20 of all time, uh, but it was knocking on the door, and if I redid it, it would probably be in there. Uh, Whiplash did make my top 20 of all time, and now he's also made this spectacular film. And somehow, I haven't seen the only <laughs> other film that he's made, First Man. It is top of my watch list after Oscar season is done, which it is. So, first man, top of your watch list. How (laughs) dare you? How dare you play that clip on the podcast, Manny? The second you hit play and I heard my own voice, I knew what it was. I knew what it was right away.
1: I can confirm that he did. He immediately covered his face with his hands, immediately suppressed his giggle and just shook his head in his hands Some
0: of us got shit to do, Manny, okay? <laughs> Some of us have things and stuff we have to attend to. Yeah, I uh I didn't watch it. Didn't watch first man. All right, cool. Didn't watch it this year. Cool.
1: Supposedly a brilliant filmmaker whose filmography consists of four films that you can't complete. Do you feel good about
0: yourself? I do. Do you? Do you, do you like what you just did to I your friend? Really, really do. Disgusting. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me
1: say this about the changes. Yeah. Um, Babylon moving up to number one wasn't yeah. a shock. We talked about it last year. Yeah. Not surprised. Marcel moving up wasn't a shock. In all honesty, it's not a shock it jumped RR. It just makes me sad because of my affection for RR. Mm-hmm. Um Everything ever all at once dropping doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. And you had – no, you had – no change at the bottom. All quiet drop below Banshees. Yeah, if I remember. the
0: on- the only other change other than Marcel jumping really is the uh, sorry Marcel jumping Babylon being number one. Um, is Banshees of Inishairn and All Quiet switching places? Uh, I
1: th- that I think that only happened because we didn't do our review. I, yeah, they'll probably switch back. <laughs> I bet not that we'll be able to track it because we won't be talking about this again. But mm-hmm. I, we do have plans to do All Quiet for this year's Remembrance Day. Yeah, I think that if that happens, that. Moves up. I'll be honest. I bet you it's going to move up significantly for us both.
0: Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Emma and I do have tentative plans to watch Banshees of Inisherin because she never watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time around. So I do have plans to rewatch that one in the new future as well. So we'll see. Uh, see what happens. I could see all because All Quiet's s- sitting at six for me right now. Mm-hmm.
1: I could see it on a rewatch easily jumping over everything, everywhere, all at once possibly moving ahead of prey. Mm-hmm. But my one, two, three are untouchable. Yeah. They they will never move.
0: Sorry, after Fableman's and uh Maverick is R Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Those are untouchable. They'll they'll never move. Unless there's some unknown film out That'd there.
0: That'd not that be crazy? I mean, how many 2022s do you have like call it I think last year you had 70. 72. So now yeah, you're you're in somewhere in the 70s now. Um imagine if there was just like the 80th most popular film of the year you've watched it and you're like, Oh, this is my favorite now <laughs> better than Steven Spielberg. I'll
1: be honest. Uh, I'm open to the possibility because of a movie I watched recently called, uh, the gangster, the cop and the devil. which oh, yeah. I still
0: can't stop. What year was that one about. again? 2019. Wow. And that's a huge year too. I don't think that
2: there's it, it, two it, it, films it, it,
0: that are, there's two films on your list that year that are unassailable. Yes. um, and probably at least one more I can't think of. Yeah. Maybe it would. I, I, again, I haven't seen the film, so I don't really know. Yeah. But, but there's no way that Endgame and Booksmart are being overtaken. No, no, no. From 2019.
1: I'm pretty sure. Let's see.
0: Okay. So I watched the. Uh, yeah. Oh. I watched The Gangster, The
1: Cop, and The Devil. Mm-hmm. I tentatively, right now, have it at six. In 2019, the only films above it, in ascending order.
0: I know three of them. I listed two. Another is 1917 somewhere.
1: Correct. Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Oh, yeah. Parasite's that year, too. Yeah. I think if I redid that my list. I think I had Parasite at, like, five. Or Maybe. No, I had Parasite at like, eight. Oh, I don't know. Parasite's higher now, for sure.
1: I'm just looking at that movie. Hmm. Here's my 11 through 20. Oh, that was number 20? I don't want to talk about it. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that was a strong year. I remember I had Marriage Story at number four on my list as well.
1: That dropped to 12 for me. Yeah,
0: Great movie, though. Yeah, I'd really like to
1: watch it. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. Um, Let's get into our favorite part, stats. Let's do it. Sammy, how many movies did you watch in 2023?
0: I, uh, I'm are, sorry. Are we talking about overall or just 2023 films? 2023 films. 2023 films. How many did you watch? 30. 30. Now uh, I will at least note there is one that's listed as a 2022 film on there, but going by our rules, uh, where the schedule or the, uh, the the festival dates don't count, it's the release date. Correct. Uh, it's thirty.
1: Okay. You still, but you do. You have a couple more. You still want to. You have. We have. You have three. You're gonna try and watch.
0: Oh, I have more than three. I'm gonna try to watch yeah, for sure. Same. I got some more. So this isn't
1: our final list. This is just as of right yeah, now. Yeah, as
0: of right now, as of January 24th, 2024, I have 30 2023 films. Do you remember what,
1: what you did the year time. before?
0: At this time, no. It was 32. Well, when we did our top 10 of the year. Yeah, but like I don't remember what I would. Oh, done I see. In
1: January, in January? Yeah, yeah, you would have it
0: yeah, would have been even less. 32.
1: Yeah. Uh, I did 72. Last year, my mm-hmm. over or under. You're over because you're. Really? Under. Oh, wow. 64. Only. (laughs) Do you know who's crushing me?
0: For this year? Uh, Wes? Kyle. Oh, I bet. Kyle's in
1: the 80s. What the fuck? Yeah.
0: I would love to see him set set a PFG record for films watched. Yeah. I wonder who has the record other than you in our group. Jordan. Probably. That's a good call. Rachel. Wes watches a lot of movies. True. I don't know. We could easily find out. We could.
1: Um, what's your. Okay, hold on. Your average Metascore of your top 10 last year was 78.4.
0: Anything I think I'm over or under that? Over. I am shockingly at 83.2 average meta score of the top 10.
1: It's, that's. Which,
0: you... which shocked me.
1: I'll be honest. So, I've already compiled everybody else's top 10s, mm-hmm. the PFGs and my own, and I had to compile their meta scores. Um, your 83.2 doesn't shock me.
0: No? no. Are there people who are higher?
1: I'll reveal that later on. Okay. Um, do you think I'm over under you? My last year's score was 80.2. I crushed you last year. I
0: think you're under this year. I think I got you this year. You do?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's 81.7. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the average rating of all of your 2023? Average. Star rating. Star rating.
0: 3.47.
1: So 3.5. We're yes.
0: Oh, we're doing one, one decimal place. Yeah. 3.5 yeah. it is.
1: Uh, that's actually lower than last year for you.
0: Yeah, last year was pretty good, I think. 3.8. I had a really good uh, really good year. That's because last year was really fucking good. I think I had like one or two twos last year. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm in 3.4 mm-hmm. this year. Which is pretty much around where I am. Like 3.4 in 2021, 3.3 last year, 3.4 this year. Uh, how many five stars did you give out? Last year, in 2022, you did four.
0: We're going to say you have four this year, too. Four as well? Yeah. All right.
1: I like how you're just smirking, smirky, smirkerson. <laughs> uh, I, I, I handed out seven.
0: Yeah. You also had, I mean, 64 movies watched. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Seven fives is good.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many two stars did you give out?
0: Unfortunately, they outnumbered the fives at five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Watched some stinkers this year, unfortunately.
1: Ouch. Um, I had 15 twos last year. Thankfully, only nine. This year, all right. Yeah, did you hand out any one star films this year?
0: Thankfully, no. That
1: is two years in a row for
0: you. I try not to watch garbage films.
1: Uh I handed out two one star films this year.
0: Oh, I know one of them.
1: Yep, and it is. It is. Do in... I know both of them? Yes. Okay, I can't yep. think of the other one. Yep. I don't think one. Um, the one of them is in contention for. Uh, it is not the worst movie I've seen. It is the most hated movie I've seen,
0: like the one that you hate the most. Mm, yeah, yeah hate it. Hmm. makes me angry. I can't think of what the other one is that's really funny. yeah, All right. um let's
1: get into the show. What are the rules of our top ten show?
0: So many as always uh with an odd numbered year mm-hmm. uh I'm gonna go first. yeah uh this is our top ten favorite films of the year, so yeah. I'm gonna read uh mine. Uh, we're going to go back and forth uh, in ascending order. I'm going to start with my number 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I if I read my number 10 and I say, hey, my 10th favorite of the year is poor things, Manny's going to say either say, okay, go ahead. That isn't on my list. Or he's going to say, oh, stop. I have that a little bit higher. And uh, we'll talk about it at the higher number one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we'll delay to discuss until the higher pick. So we're going to alternate in ascending order uh, with me going first in our top 10 favorites of the year.
1: Sam, do you have some notable exemptions? Some movies that you didn't get a chance to watch before you compiled your list.
0: Yeah. Um, so notably I, I did, uh, the example of poor things there was intentional because I know that Manny and I both missed that one as it didn't come to mm-hmm. Um Also notable, Zone of Interest and in American Fiction uh, haven't come here yet. Um, I'm going to go see Dream Scenario tomorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at the theater, but I haven't seen it yet. And Boy and, Her- Boy and the Heron the week after that, I'm going to mm-hmm. see. Um, a couple other ones that I really wanted to get to, but unfortunately didn't have time to. The Killer, Bo is Afraid, Society of the Snow, Godzilla Minus One, Iron Claw.
1: You didn't get to watch The Killer? No, I didn't. Oh, that makes me sad. Uh my notable exemptions, uh same. I've got Poor Things Zone of Interest in American Fiction, three films, not your best picture. I'm it's looking like if I decide not to be a bitch, uh I'm gonna go <laughs> knock all three of those out this Sunday, go on a little road trip. Uh I haven't seen The Boy and the Heron. I haven't seen Godzilla Minus One, Dream Scenario. I'm up in the air if I'm gonna be able to join you tomorrow. Uh and the last one is how to blow up a pipeline. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are my normal exemptions as always as for fun no stakes whatsoever I have an over under for shared movies on our list Sam I set the over under this year the same as last year at 5.5 oh
0: it's a good it's a good over under I'm going to take the under the I un- think last year I took the over and was did. and was very right yes yes you were yeah. I was going with the under as well yeah I'm taking the under so let's see
1: how things go why don't you get our list started Samuel
0: okay. Here we go. My tenth <laughs> favorite film of 2023 uh is uh a best picture nominee, it is a best director nominee, uh it is a foreign foreign film, and it is Anatomy of a Fall. You're gonna have to wait. Oh baby. Okay. Then Manny, your number ten. Uh my number
1: ten is uh ninety percent sure not on your list. Uh it is not a best picture nominee. Um think it might have got a couple Oscar nominations but I can't quite remember uh it is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One
0: yeah I didn't see it you go ahead
1: you didn't get a chance to see it oh that's right why would you have seen it
0: yeah yeah I haven't watched any of these movies yeah
1: Uh, not that you would you could have watched this
0: as a standalone
1: yep yep there's only a couple that are kind of connected otherwise really you can watch almost any of them um Yeah, I keep forgetting you haven't seen these. I should force us to just do a bunch of movie nights Hmm. and tackle them. Anyways, uh, it's directed by Christopher McQuarrie, written by Bruce Geller, Christopher McQuarrie, and Eric Jenderson. Uh, Starring Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, and Ving Rhames. Had a meta score of 81. Thank you. Plot. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. I love this franchise. I've made no bones about it this is one of my favorite movie franchises this movie doesn't quite live up to the incredible excellence of Mission Impossible Fallout which in my opinion is one of the best action movies I've seen in the last probably 20 years but every time I watch these movies I have a lot of fun and that's in all honesty and I actually forgot to say this Sam so I'm going to take a moment here I I, I should have left the notes. I had a really hard time with my 6 through 10. Hmm. My 1 through 5 was pretty much locked. My 6 through 10, I had a really hard time trying to find the balance of really good movies and movies that I thoroughly enjoyed. Because I found that a lot of the quote-unquote really good movies and prestige movies are ones that I probably will not be rewatching. But they were brilliantly made but I had a lot of movies that I had a lot of fun watching that I see myself probably revisiting on a fairly consistent basis. Hmm. So I had a really hard time with this. Because of that, this movie is making my list because it is a franchise that I love and I have a really fun time watching it. The chemistry between the cast, again, is absolutely unreal. Ving Rhames, Tom Cruise, Simon Pegg, they add in Haley Atwell. They add in a couple other people as well. A couple other people return. There is a return... I wish... Oh, I do have it up here. Um a return of... The character is uh, who hasn't been in it since the first one. Do you uh, want the
0: actor's name? I have it. Uh,
1: it's Henry Zerny. There you go. He is, abs- he is an actor I've always really enjoyed, and he is literally perfect for the part he plays. And his return... Uh, to the franchise was very enjoyable for me because I loved him in the first one. He has this way of speaking, this cadence and this arrogance in his voice that just makes his character so fun. You just want to slap him. (laughs) Uh, But I had a really great time. Vanessa Kirby returning as the White Widow, Rebecca Ferguson returning as Elsa Faust. This is just a really great cast that know exactly what they're doing with the movie and having a great time. Um, Palm Clementiev... Uh, who plays um, mantis mantis uh shows up in this movie as a uh a villain a a villain who doesn't speak very much and you can see her having the fucking time of her life as she gets to destroy a lot of things Mm -hmm. and because they do a lot of practical effects she is really destroying them (laughs) There is an absolutely mind-blowingly entertaining chase scene in this movie that is littered with great action as well as some incredible comedic effects. Obviously, one of the fun things about this movie is, yet again, watching Tom Cruise do his own stunts. And when you see even the small stunts that he does, the stunt driving, the, the, the running, the falling, and, of course, no spoiler. The big uh, motorcycle jump that he does—it's um, pretty amazing. I recently watched a clip of a behind-the-scenes footage of him making that jump, and he did it three times in one day God. to get the shots. And the face you made is literally what Christopher McQuarrie did—just
0: <laughs> like a face palm and a chuckle. Like, just like,
1: like you watch the you watch him do the first jump, and you just see McQuarrie just like waiting, like he's just like. Is the biggest star in the world dead? And then you hear this: "We see a shoot." (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, "Oh, thank God!" Uh, Uh, So yeah, it's it is a it's a really fun franchise and one that I would I would love to watch with you. Um, I'd love to uh, again. I keep thinking it'd be fun to cover for the podcast, but that's almost two months dedicated to Mission Impossible. This is number seven. This is number seven. Yeah. So I think I think the maybe the best thing to go forward is to retroactively do a review for the first one mm-hmm. and then cover the ones as we get to those years.
0: Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible 1 is 96?
1: Years? Years. I think so. Yes.
0: And then I think year 2000 for the second one. Correct.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my uh, number 10 uh, is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning.
0: Yeah. I have no experience with this franchise. Um, I think I've seen most of the big stunts that have ever happened in this franchise uh that being said i have no doubt there's they're still very worthwhile tom cruise is maybe the last film star (laughs) he's he's just as true a film star as you can possibly get in today's day and age the man does not age and uh is he in his 60s yet yep it's fucking insane yeah fucking insane yeah yeah, I do wish that I uh, that I was into this franchise because as much as I'm sure it does hold up as a standalone, I'd I'd love to you know go into it fully prepared with all six under my belt.
1: I would really like to watch these with you,
0: and as you know, I can't even get a movie watched uh, <laughs> that's on my watch list to begin with, <laughs> so uh, I don't see myself uh, being prepared to take this franchise on on my own anytime soon. Uh, but I've heard nothing but good things about yeah. all of these movies. Basically. I think I I truly think, like I said, one. One is really
1: good. Two, in my opinion, is easily the worst of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to three and four, they just keep getting better and better and better. And like, yeah, it's. I would. I would really enjoy watching these with you.
0: Maybe oh. we'll try and get that done. All right,
1: all right, Sam. What's your number nine film of number the year?
0: Number nine. Okay. Okay, um, we're gonna talk about. I hope uh, my number nine, which is Maestro you can talk about it okay um it's written directed and starred in by bradley cooper uh it's also starring carrie mulligan and uh, matt bomer uh this love story chronicles the lifelong relationship of con- conductor composer leonard bernstein uh who i've called or do they call him bernstein i can't remember now i now i'm confusing myself uh, i think burns let's go bernstein um and a- an actress felicia montalega cone bernstein Manny, I've got a little pop quiz for Ooh, you, if pop you, you want to. Pop quiz, hot shot. What do the following names have in common? Laurence Olivier, Clint Eastwood, Warren Beatty, Charlie Chaplin, Bradley Cooper. What do those names have in common? They are the only
1: people to have been nominated for Best Actor and Director
0: twice you are so close i'm gonna give you like three quarter points okay for that it um the nominations for best director i'm sure is true of many of them the fact that i read was uh they directed themselves to, to two best actor nominations okay so you're you're right there Okay. Uh, you're very much on the same track. Well done. Thank you. Um, of course, uh, Lawrence Olivier, the only one with more than two, which is three. Um, but yeah, those are the names of the people in history who have directed themselves to two Best Actor nominations. That's fucking insane to me. Yeah. That's amazing company. That's and. It's well-deserved, I think. I mean, I, I know your opinion of A Star is Born. Apparently, Maestro isn't on your list. Do you want to uh, say where it maybe be landed oh. on your list? Because I, I, you, I know you have rankings for everything, right? I do. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, if you go yeah, ahead. I'll, I'll keep on going here. I'll
1: keep, I'll keep my list open. I didn't even think of that. Thank you.
0: Leonard Bernstein is not somebody who I have a ton of connection to. I knew him as the man who conducted West Side Story. Um, I think, having seen this film, his story is one that's worth telling. I think that Bradley Cooper is a... Very gifted director and very gifted actor, and absolutely has the chops to pull off the subtleties that come along with this performance. Um, the last time we talked about this movie, I told you the fact that, well, I, I guess it was more of a more speculation that I thought Bradley Cooper's preparation for the scene where he conducts an orchestra for several minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, he must have been preparing for for forever for that. Uh, the, the figure that I heard was uh, five years. Five years, he trained, uh, five years he trained to be a conductor, uh, just for that. It's like a two-minute scene, um, and it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's unreal. It's some of the best physical acting I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I think the form of this film is also beautiful, the way that as we progress through this man's life, we also progress through kind of different styles of filmmaking. I think that requires so much talent to nail all those different looks. You need to have a DP who you trust and you need to have really an entire crew that you trust who can nail all these different looks. You're essentially making like a few different movies. I I think that Bradley Cooper, once again, has shown himself to be an incredibly gifted filmmaker. Uh, Not bad for a guy who got his breakthrough in the Hangover franchise. Um, I was floored by the acting in this film. I was floored by the filmmaking. I was floored um, by uh, the, the storytelling prowess for letting us know Uh, the life of this of this man who for I will call him an unsung man uh, but I'm sure many people consider him very famous I just uh, you know I'm just late to the party on him so maestro absolutely floored me from a technical perspective and uh, Bradley Cooper's nomination for for acting in particular is very well deserved Um, the makeup is another aspect that fucking blew me away Um, the old the old age makeup on Bradley Cooper is exceptional And, uh, this, this was one of the best technical masterpieces, uh, that came out this year. And Bradley Cooper, if he wasn't already was, is now firmly on my must watch list. Every time he releases a movie as a director, uh, it will be getting watched. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Manny, anything you want to add on Maestro real quick? Uh,
1: I, I love, uh, what I can add, I have it at 30,
0: 30 out of 64. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Middle of the pack. Yep the the reason it's lower is my enjoyment level was low. Mm-hmm. From a filmmaking perspective, it would be much higher. This is a brilliantly made movie. The editing choices he makes, the acting that he does, the acting he gets out of Carey Mulligan, who is fantastic, uh, are all amazing. Uh, I think Bradley Cooper is one of our best filmmakers working right now. He's two for two. In his films, while I did uh, enjoy A Star is Born uh, a, a lot more than I did enjoy Maestro, the filmmaking behind Maestro is so apparent. Mm-hmm. His choices to use black and white and then to go to color, everything, like you said, the aspect ratio changes throughout the ch- the, the, the course of the film. <clears throat> I think this is a brilliant, absolutely brilliant film, worthy of all the accolades, especially to, to, um, the Best Picture Nom. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even think that. was Definitely, I think that could be technically uh, a snub for, for, for best director. For director. Yeah, neither of us I, thought of that. Didn't even sure. think of that till right now. Uh, I love this being on your list. It makes sense. Um, that scene of him conducting. In, it's one of the scenes of the year for me. Is it incredible. is. What, is it in a church? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, it's like a cathedral of some kind. Yeah. yeah. I think me- it's in a German cathedral. Mesmerizing. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's done. Yeah, that's one of the scenes of the year. Great, great pick.
1: All right, that was your number nine. Maestro, my number nine, is your number 10, Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, Directed by Justine, is it Trier? I think it's Justine Trier. Sure. Obviously French, so I don't think that T is pronounced at the end there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Written by Justine Trier and Arthur Harari. Starring Sandra Huller, Swan Arlo, Milo Machado, Granier? I don't know. I apologize. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, Metascore of 86. Plot. A woman is suspected of her husband's murder, and their blind son faces a moral dilemma as the main witness. This movie is as good as advertised. I went in expecting to watch one of the year's best, as that's all I'd heard, and I left the movie watching one of the year's best. The movie is brilliantly acted, uh, spoken in three languages. Uh, I would say... About 60% English, 35% French, 5% German.
0: I was watching for German after you said that because I watched this movie after we talked about yeah. it. I don't even know if I caught any German in that. Yeah. I think she, I think I, she is, she she is, is German, German, but I don't know if any German is spoken. Yeah. If it is, I missed it. It's if it
1: is, it's tiny. Yeah. Um, an excellent mystery. Yes. A, in, I love courtroom dramas. Always a fan of almost all of them. Uh, Great scenes throughout. The acting, especially from Sandra Huler, who just received an Oscar nomination for a role. Richly deserved. Mm-hmm. The actor who plays the prosecutor. Uh plays piece of
0: shit. <laughs> yes. Piece of shit prosecutor. Yes.
1: Um, so now that you've seen the film, uh-huh. do you now understand how incredibly different the French court system appears yeah, to be? <laughs> this
0: is it's just kind of a free for, It's just kind of everybody... T- I mean, there's some structure to it, for sure, but yep. it's way more open floor yes. than the American courtroom. Yes. Like, when you watch an American courtroom drama, it's an event when somebody who is not in the one-on-one conversation or the judge, if anybody else talks ever, it's a problem. Yep. It's a huge, but this is just a little more loosey-goosey. Like yeah. People can just kind <laughs> of... So la- just kind of say stuff. Laissez-faire. It's It's <laughs> oh. uh, Also, uh the the jury sits with the judge i guess <laughs> yeah it was it, it was a little bit um well it's a little bit foreign yeah because you know to us it is um prosecutor's robes in bright red mhm very cinematic yes very good color coordination yep by the uh, french legal system mm-hmm. got to love that um yeah i will i will echo everything that you said this was while a delight and one of the best films of the year, simultaneously one of the hardest films to watch. But one of the things they really hone in on and one of the things they really focus on is the grief and the complex emotions that this woman is feeling. Mm-hmm. They do not shy away from showing you just how cripplingly sad she is through the entire movie. Yeah. how She already had, let's say, a contentious relationship with her partner uh, who, th- who she then loses, mm-hmm. which is a tough thing no matter what. And then she is accused of his death and has to be dragged through a year plus long uh legal proceeding. Yep. Which also has a toll on you. Where many people are convinced, including this piece shit prosecutor, uh, that she murdered her husband. Mm-hmm. Um and part of part of the genius filmmaking of this is there are many times you wonder through this film, like, it, like this is our this is our heroine. She she is the protagonist, but mm-hmm could she have done it? Like, Mm -hmm. even though we're rooting for her in the trial, and even though we're, the film is uh, presented from her perspective, that, that doubt creeps in many times. Many. Through the film. There's no way she could have actually done it, right? And the way that it plays with your expectations is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I say, I use the word fun loosely because this film is dark. (laughs) It is very dark and very sad and goes to some very dark places. Yes. Um, a lot of online discourse about this that i was reading that i agree with is the dog (laughs) manny i'm not i don't even bring that up to be funny this is one of the greatest animal performances ever that one scene with the dog towards the end is fucking outstanding yeah like I, I saw people talking about the dog's performance in this movie, and then the first few scenes of the dog I am like, hey, that's pretty good, pretty good acting by that dog, I wonder how they got it to do that, and then later you're like, holy shit, get this dog an Oscar, <laughs> for real. I needed to bring attention to that, I, and I apologize to the next person who I'm going to talk about, who I, I actually don't know the actor's name, let's see, um, The Sun, Um <laughs> Uh, I think it's Milo Machado Grainer uh, yeah. as Daniel. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Um. Apologies to him for being uh, next in line after a dog for me to talk about, but he's also exceptional. I think he actually is visually impaired in real life. If
1: he's not, he's doing a great job of hi- of acting it.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Really, the concept for this film sold me on it. I knew the concept before watching it that uh, a woman's blind son is the only witness to her husband's uh, death. Uh and potential murder, um, that concept of enough was enough to sell me on it. But uh, th- this kid's acting is also also very exceptional, and uh, the realization of it is uh, yeah. Th- this movie solidified itself as um, a well deserved best picture nominee and uh, best director nominee for Justine Trier.
1: Yep, awesome,
0: wicked. All right,
1: on to your number eight.
0: <sighs> number eight. I did some uh, I did some shuffling around so I have to scroll up. Okay. okay. Manny, I uh, I just did a little bit of review uh <laughs> while uh while we had a bit of downtime, I did some review on previous years. There's there's been a horror movie on my list most years. Okay. Uh, I don't know if, at least one. I'm not I've never really been a horror movie guy, but there's always one that kind of finds its way on there. So we, last year was nope. Last year was nope. Uh, 2021 I actually didn't have anything, but then 2020 had Invisible Man, 2019 had Us. 2018 was a twofer. I had Hereditary and A Quiet Place okay. on there, um, and then 2017 I had Get Out. Oh, nah, I'll, I'll push back a little on A Quiet Place. Don't think it's quite horror. It's more sci-fi for
1: me. But, Fair enough. But if someone yeah. wants to call it horror, it's a horror. Fine.
0: Yeah, there's some. Uh, there's even some other ones that were called horror that I don't agree with. Like 2018, Annihilation was considered horror on on, on Letterboxd. I, I disagree. Okay. Um, but yeah, like regardless. There's, there's a little bit of horror permeating each of my lists, and yes. this year is no exception. This, okay. year's, this year's horror entry is uh, Talk to Me. Okay. Um, I will also note... Never seen it. ...that off the top, um, when I said that there are some films on my list that on Letterboxd are listed as 2022s, this is what I was referring to. So okay. if you look on Letterboxd, this is considered a 2022. However, upon doing some research, it looks like... It was in the Adelaide Film Festival in 2022, but did not see its Australian release until July of 2023. Mm -hmm. So by Oscar rules and therefore our rules, it is eligible for these. Um, Talk to me. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. It's written by Danny Filippo, Bill Hintzman, and Daley Pearson. Directed by Danny Filippo and Michael Filippo. Uh, starring Sophie Wilde, Alexandra Jensen, and Joe Bird. Um, you know what? I don't have the IMDb for it pulled up. Do you have the oh. Metascore for it perchance? Yep.
1: let's get to the top. It is 76.
0: Yeah. Uh, very highly regarded. There's, uh, We are living in kind of a second renaissance of horror, it really feels like. Because there are some very well-constructed horror movies being made. And some very adept horror filmmakers in the world today. Danny Filippo has put himself on the map as one of them. This is, this is a film that I watched, uh, at the Camelot Film Society, uh, while my girlfriend was out of town. Uh, I watched it at the Camelot Film Society and while she was out of town for the weekend, and I spent the entire weekend sleeping with the lights on. Holy I, shit. It scared the bejesus out of me. Um, it is so brilliantly made. This is another film that really plays with horror convention. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like the way that this is paced. A, a stereotypical horror film would really delve into the mythology. Like, there's just this object presented, like, here's this embalmed hand that you touch it and you can connect with spirits. And most horror films would waste half their runtime explaining where that hand came from. This film does not give a fuck about any of that. It tells you right at the beginning, here's this hand, it can do some scary shit. Enjoy. And it just leaves you with that. Nice. And I love that. It's such a refreshing take. I, I really love it. So don't go into this movie expecting to have everything explained to you because it really doesn't. It's really just about the atmosphere and the acting and the consequences that these kids have to deal with.
1: Do you know what that idea completely reminds me of? Hmm. Is Groundhog Day.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's presented exactly like that. It's like, take it or leave it. This is what happens in this movie. And if you don't like it, there's the door. <laughs> yeah.
1: They don't. They don't explain. Wh- they don't explain why. They're just like, this is what happens.
0: Yeah, and it's not. You see, when the person died, like they severed. No, none of that. <laughs> it's just here's what it is. Wicked. I um, love it. It's it's a great concept. Uh, these kids um, kind of you This isn't a spoiler. This is pretty much what the entire film is about. Right from the beginning, these kids discover this embalmed hand and kind of use it as like a party drug. Like they, You almost get a high when you connect with the spirits in this hand. It, It's terrifying and you see dead people, um, but it kind of gives you a high after the fact. So they're kind of using it as a party drug, but you can only do it for X amount of time before the spirits become inextricably connected to the real world. Of course, one of them goes too far, and uh, it's about the consequences of them dealing with that and trying to re- uh, rectify it. It's a ton of fun, man. It's actually a really well-realized thing with... Excellent, excellent performances. I have, um, I think the name Joe Bird is the name of the little brother, uh, in the movie, or the name of the uh, the actor who plays the little brother in the movie. Uh, is a young kid. Like, uh, I would put the actor probably at like thirteen, mm-hmm. and his performance in the film is exceptional. It is, it is top notch. Um, really, really impressed by by him, and really by all of the other uh, performers in the movie. Um, this is the latest in a line of horror movies to blow me away in spite of me not really wanting to watch it because I am a little chicken shit who, does, who gets scared way too easily. Um, really impressed by Talk To Me. Uh, n- my number eight on the year. I've heard nothing but great things about this movie. I'm not watching it. <laughs> not a chance. The ending is fucking awesome. The yeah. ending is fucking great. Yeah. I've heard uh, nothing but great things about this movie. It's made
1: a couple of the podcasts I listen to. It's made their top tens. Mm-hmm. Everybody that is into horror that has watched this movie has just told me it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. Not for me. <laughs> Not Fair for enough, me. man. Not for me. Yeah. Um, all right. My number eight is one of the exact movies I was talking about. Uh, like I said, I had a really hard time with six through ten. Balancing great movies. Anatomy of a Fall, that's why it's on my list. It was one of the best movies I saw this year. This movie, I'll be honest, I'll be very excited to see if it's here next year when we redo our list. But as of right now, it's a movie that the more I've talked about it, the more I have realized that I loved this movie. And it brought me nothing but warm fuzzies and smiles across my face. My number eight film of the year is Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret.
0: Manny, you're going to have to wait to talk about this film. I fucking love that. <laughs> I love that so fucking much. I you're love that so fucking much. Yeah, great. Okay. Okay. So uh, that takes us to my number seven. Yeah. One that I'm fairly confident you didn't actually see this year. Right. Um, making his first ever appearance on one of my lists is a filmmaker who has been around for a long time and is one who you and I don't usually talk about in the kindest of terms, but he made a movie this year that actually really connected with me. Oh shit. Uh, this is asteroid city by Wes Anderson. Yeah. Didn't see it. (laughs) Uh, following a writer on his world famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech obsessed family to small rural asteroid city to compete in a junior stargazing event only to have his worldview disrupted forever this is written and directed by wes anderson like i said the first movie of his to ever find its way onto my top 10 of the year um also uh, getting a writing credit on this is roman coppola starring jason schwartzman and scarlett johansson um i don't really know what i can say about this movie why i found it different than wes anderson movies of the past that didn't connect with me um manny as as we know We don't really talk about him in the kindest of terms on this podcast. Grand Budapest Hotel is considered by many to be a modern classic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I gave it a 3 out of 5. Same. Very well-made movie that I didn't connect with. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox is probably my favorite of his uh, before Asteroid City. um, But now it's Asteroid City. Uh, For once, uh, I just felt... I can't really explain it in a better term than... I. For the first time, I felt a deep connection with a Wes Anderson movie. Okay. Um, previously, it just felt zany for zany's sake. Um, this just felt like an exploration of grief that I had never seen before. An exploration of art. He goes very meta. Uh, the structure of the movie I thought was really cool. Um, you know, you've seen—I assume you've seen trailers or stills from this movie nope. about how colorful it is. It just lo- it looks like a Wes Anderson movie. How it's all
1: definitely does.
0: It's all beautifully shot. It's all symmetrical. It's all brightly colored but it's set up, um, all of those scenes are a stage play and we get these cuts to scenes in black and white that are the actors of that stage play talking about it. Um, okay. that are a little bit less Wes Anderson. Okay. Um, and Brian Cranston as the narrator is fucking hysterically funny. Uh, Brian Cranston, in this movie got the, probably the biggest laugh, biggest singular laugh of the year, especially in a theater for me. Um, but the cuts back and forth from the color to the black and white are very effective. Um, and actually, Oh my God, there's another laugh in this movie that I just remembered. Um, the aforementioned in the IMDb synopsis, the, um, the event that changes his worldview forever is also hysterically funny. Um, <laughs> even for a Wes Anderson film. Um, I, I connected deeply to this film, even though, even though I feel like I shouldn't, even though I feel like, um, it's not different enough from Wes Anderson films. Um, there was just something about it. It just had that je ne sais quoi. Um, Jason Schwartzman is overacting in the movie. He's doing the Wes Anderson thing where he's very deadpan, but he's also adding on all these little facial tics. But in the context of the movie, him adding on all of these extra things that he does, like he has a facial tic, he's smoking a pipe, he always has something in his hands, he has all these little character mannerisms.
1: Is he trying to be Jake Gyllenhaal or?
0: Something like that, yeah. <laughs> but since he's playing an actor, playing an actor, it it's referenced in these little black and white segues like are you sure you want to have your character do all this it's a lot to juggle anyway this is a hysterically funny and deeply moving movie i don't know if you're actually going to watch this um but this if you read anything online from wes anderson fans about this film they all say that it's one of his worst (laughs) wes anderson fans don't like this movie because it's tonally different it's not just zany for zany's sake uh it actually has something to say and for some reason that works really well for me, not being a Wes Anderson fan to start with. Um, but for the Wes Anderson fans, it's a little bit too out there and a little bit too different. So, um, I liked this one a lot. It was uh, it was my seventh best of the year. Okay, yeah, I won't be watching it. Yeah, yeah, nope.
1: Would so you give it a four then? Yeah, I gave it a four. Okay, if you're yeah. giving I'll, it a, if you're it a five, no, I'd think not. I'd think about it.
0: Yeah. Um, one oscar snub so it did not uh it did not get nominated for anything mm-hmm. i don't really think there's any one particular category it should have been i mean it's wes anderson so arguably um art direction obviously the look of the city is great but the big one uh there's a song uh called dear alien who art in heaven uh fantastic scene okay uh definite deserve of a best uh, best originals uh song nomination okay. i don't know who i'm kicking out but all right
1: yeah he's just not a filmmaker i connect with with the exception of one film mm-hmm. And the exception for me, is almost a five. Like it's a fucking movie I rewatched recently with Chards, and I fucking love it. <clears throat> I love it so much we'll be covering it when we get to that year in the podcast. Um, I'm I'm glad you liked it. He's just not a filmmaker for me. I I the only way I was gonna be watching this is if it got an Oscar nom, yeah. and it dodged the Oscars, so I can dodge watching it
0: for sure. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't get any. While while there, yeah, maybe art direction, but I'd have to really dissect that category.
1: He did one of his shorts got nominated though.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I've heard um, uh, on the Reddit uh, one of the Reddit pages that I follow, um, people were saying it's funny that Asteroid City didn't get nominated for a single thing, but Wes Anderson might still win an Oscar this year. <laughs> he, he probably will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a live action short, I think. Right. Y- yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Uh, Kyle's really enjoyed those live action shorts and has been bugging me to watch them so i will not (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah (laughs) because kyle can go fuck himself Mm -hmm. um all right that's your number seven my number seven let's hear yours my number seven is a movie that might be on your list my number seven is killers of the flower moon
0: it's on my list. We're gonna have to wait. Oh, right. Wow. It's so weird that I have to wait. I know. Usually, usually I'm the one. All
1: right. So let's move to your number six.
0: My number six, Manny. Your number eight. Uh, are you there? God is me, Margaret. Fire away, bud. Uh, when her family moves to the city, uh, from the city to the suburbs. Excuse me. Eleven-year-old uh, Margaret navigates new friends, feelings, and the beginnings of adolescence. Starring Abby Ryder Fortson, Rachel McAdams, Kathy Bates. Uh, written and directed by Kelly Freeman. I think is how it's pronounced. F R E M O N. Sounds right. Uh, this is based on a novel from, uh, from the seventies that I'm told is quite famous that I had never heard of, but, uh, it was, uh, based on the novel by Judy Bloom. Manny and I have talked about this movie on the podcast before, but just to reiterate, uh, this was the cutest movie of the year. Yes. Um, that's not to, that's not to diminish its subject matter. It certainly tackles a lot of serious subject matter. As far as coming of age films go, it's not afraid to go to places like, uh, dealing with religion. Uh, dealing with what it's like to get your first period and how emotional and embarrassing and scary it can be. Um, It's not afraid to go to serious places, but it's also exceptionally cute. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, The relationship between Margaret and her mother, who's played by Rachel McAdams, in what could have been an Oscar-nominated role, I would not have hated a nomination for her at all. I would have
1: loved a nomination.
0: Uh, (laughs) the, uh, The relationship between the two of them is so freaking cute as uh, the two of them are kind of just trying to figure out how to be a mom and a daughter, uh, respectively. Um, Actually, uh, Rachel McAdams' character is also kind of trying to be a daughter. Um, It's not only about uh, girlhood, but it's also about finding your place in the world, and you're in this weird juncture between not quite being a child and not quite being an adult. You want to have your agency to make your own decisions and to forge your own identity, but you don't have the world experience to even know what you should be looking for. Um, Do I want to be Jewish? Do I want to be Christian? Do I want to be nothing? Uh, Should my heritage play into that? Is, is meeting my grandparents valuable when they're kind of pieces of shit? These are all questions that um, people will find relatable that many people have dealt with. Everybody deals with the crisis of faith. Everybody deals with their changing body when they go into puberty. Um, This is an insanely relatable film. Uh the fact that this was written seventy years ago was uh astounding to me because it is so modern in its characterization. I, I can't imagine uh, a book talking about the things that this thing talk that this film talks about uh fifty years ago. Yep. That's it. It's absolutely incredible to me how modern this feels given the age of its source material. Um, the young stars who make their debut Ugh. in this film, uh, in particular, uh, the woman who, pl- uh, the young woman who plays the uh, the best friend. I'm sorry, I don't have the name. Elle Graham funny. playing Nancy. Yes, uh, exceptional. Yes. especially in the scene that takes place in a restaurant bathroom. Yes, uh, is so fucking good. Yeah. Um, I will be on the lookout for. Uh, for all these young stars as they uh, as they get older and uh, get into more prominent roles, but they knock it out of the fucking park um, and have such good chemistry. Um, <laughs> despite the serious subject matter, the some of the best scenes of the movie are them just being kids. Yes, uh, them just hanging out in their room. Talking about boys and being stupid, and talking about uh, who's gotten their period and who hasn't, and talking about the best way to make your boobs grow—it's oh. all so silly and fun, and makes you makes you wish you were a kid again. It makes it makes you remember how much fun it is uh, to be a kid and not have the pressures of real life on you. And uh, honestly, kind of yearn for the pressures of real life before you realize how serious it really is out there. <laughs> um, I had a blast with uh, Are You There? God, It's Me and Margaret. Um, it's one of the biggest surprises of the year.
1: For me 100% agree. Oh, It makes me so happy to see this on your list as well, uh, and even happier that it's higher than mine. <laughs> uh, I agree. The, my first note on this movie is it's adorable. Mm-hmm. And again, same as you, I don't want to diminish the subject matters that it tackles, but this movie just had me smiling throughout Everybody in this movie is great, both either working the dramatic scenes or the comedic scenes or the comedic dramatic scenes. Everybody is I, – I truly wish that Rachel McAdams had gotten an Oscar nomination for this role. It would have been really, really worthy of it. Everybody's so funny. I agree. El Graham as Nancy Wheeler's really funny. Uh, Abby Ryder Fortson as Margaret, the, the titular character, is just a delight. She just – Knows how to react to everything perfectly. She has this huge crush on this boy that nobody else seems to think is any good whatsoever. And so she's embarrassed to admit that she likes him. And then, but she, like, she just yearns for him in ways that she can't really fully understand. Um, The girls trying to make their breasts grow made me giggle every time they did it. It was just such a great movie that was way better than I was anticipating. I went into this movie. hoping it was going to be good. I I never read the book, but I was fully aware of it. I did. I was fully aware of the book. I wasn't aware of how important of a
0: tome it is to young women. And so it was, uh, since seeing this movie, I've talked to a couple of women, especially women from this generation who have told me, uh, just how important this book was. Yeah. Same. And, uh, this was just
1: absolutely Amazing. Movie from start to finish. I had such a great time, and I'm really looking forward to rewatching this. Uh, the the aforementioned scene with the grandparents was so good, mm-hmm. uh, really really touching. Kathy Bates is so great.
0: Oh uh, man, Kathy Bates. We haven't talked about her yet, but uh, while I wouldn't put her in supporting actress like <laughs> I would Rachel McAdams, uh, she's still doing excellent work. Oh. I mean, she's an incredibly talented actress. We know that. But yes, um, yeah, her the. <laughs> the grandmother uh, uh, granddaughter relationship between the two of them is also so cute Um, (laughs) especially when juxtaposed with the mother daughter relationship uh, that Rachel McAdams has with Margaret Um, (laughs) it seems like Rachel McAdams character is trying to figure out how to be a mother to somebody who's about to become a woman Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how the hell am I going to guide this person in something that I don't even really understand how to do myself and meanwhile, Kathy Bates' character is kind of exerting the opposite influence on her, trying to get the last little bit of girlhood she can get out of out of her granddaughter, let her be a kid for just a little bit longer if she can, yep. Yep. and cherish whatever time she has with her. So, uh, yeah, this this is an incredibly deep movie. I can see this becoming a favorite for many of the women in my life uh, who have watched this. And uh, yeah, this 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 was a really really good one. Awesome. <laughs> Your number six.
1: My number six. I'm curious if it'll make your list. I, I'm, I don't know where this would now make it in the top half of your film. My number six is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, did not make it. Yeah, did not make it on the list. Okay, cool. Uh, directed by James Gunn, written by James Gunn, Jim Starlin, and they have Stan Lee. So it must. I think they're just basing off characters he created.
0: Oh, they have him as a writing credit. Yeah. Yeah, he must be as a character is based on.
1: Yeah, I was like, that's weird. Uh, starring Chris Pratt, and I'm going to butcher this guy's name, so I apologize, Uh, Chuck Woody Awuji, I think is how you pronounce it? Sure. Okay. Uh, And Bradley Cooper. Metascore of 64, that is way too low. Hmm. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if not successful.
0: You have seen this, right? I have, yeah. This okay. was this was early on in the year, I guess. This probably came out in like March, if I was Sounds to guess. Sounds about right. Yeah. So, yeah. admittedly, it's not the freshest in my mind, and it probably suffered a little bit on my list because of that. I still had it like relatively high. I just didn't didn't quite make it. Yep. Uh, this is Rocket's kind of origin story. Yeah. And it is fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. What if What if I had told you at the beginning of the year that this would be the second best acting performance by Bradley Cooper of the year? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: then I would have been excited because his performance in his Rocket is. Top three MCU character for me. He's fucking awesome, man. And this just makes me love him even more. Um, Again, I'm pretty sure the guy's name is Chuck Woody. Um, He plays the high evolutionary, which is a a villainous character from the comics that I've never had any connection with. And uh, he takes him to another level. He is fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. I kind of forgot how awesome he was until I I started making my list for this. And there is great action, heartbreaking storytelling, incredible special effects, and just, once again, great chemistry between the cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I had a really great time with this movie, and I'm really glad... I'm really glad that the MCU is taking a year break. And I think it's going to let me miss everything. About the MCU for a while, while there, I th- think there's a show or two coming this year. Oh, yeah, Daredevil, the Daredevil series is coming.
0: So we have no uh, MCU films coming out this year at all.
1: You you can technically count Deadpool two, Deadpool three as the MCU. Um, I'm, it's technically the MCU, but I think probably by the end of Deadpool three, I bet you that's it'll probably get integrated somehow. For sure. Probably part of the storyline. So. But yeah, there's there's no there's no standard MCU movies coming out next year.
0: Honestly, man, good. I, uh, I, while I did really enjoy this movie, um, like I say, it's not the freshest in my memory, and the only things that really stand out to me in close to a year retrospect of not having seen this is the scenes of Rocket. The flashback scenes with Rocket are devastating and heartbreaking and so well-written and i don't think anybody saw any of that coming it's so dark for an mcu movie (laughs) um for especially for this franchise which has been so light and fun and it still is for a lot of the runtime um but yeah those flashback scenes are absolutely incredible they're amazing um the only other standout scene i can really think of is uh i believe it's uh, a hallway scene set to a beastie boys song
1: yeah it's one take
0: yeah yeah. Or a fake one take, fake. I think. Could be. Yeah. But uh, regardless. Um yeah, those those are the standout moments. The only reason this doesn't make my list is just because it's uh, a little bit of recency bias. Yeah. They're just films I've seen more recently um that are a little bit fresher in my Yeah,
1: I when I when you had did mention it, I didn't think this was
0: being in your this gonna be in your top five. Yeah. Um there's yeah. now I think a few years running without uh without an MCU movie in my top ten though, is as, <laughs> as far as I know. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, no, I don't think I've
1: No no no. I think Blackwood or Shang-Chi majors.
0: Oh true. I think both did actually. Yeah. Good call. Good call. But that you know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, right.
1: <laughs> All right. You're up next with your number five.
0: My number five. Let's scroll back up here. Okay. Um I don't think we're gonna be able to talk about this yet, if I was to guess. Uh number five, Barbie. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so judging by that,
1: I don't think we're gonna be able to talk about my number five. My number five is the holdovers.
0: Yeah, we can't talk about that yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number four. I wonder. I think. I think we're gonna. St- this is gonna be very interesting in the top half of this. Okay. Of this uh, my number four is Oppenheimer. Not on my list. Whoa. Okay. All right interesting um the story of american scientist j robert oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb starring killian murphy emily blunt robert downey jr written and directed by christopher nolan um another one that i think i probably could have i I actually did want to get to a rewatch of this i
1: I desperately need and i
0: and i didn't get to so my placements on my top five are I think are going to change pretty wildly for next year. I have no idea in what direction, mm-hmm. but this in particular, I just, I, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it. Cause this movie floored me, um, that it's a three hour biopic about a scientist. And I was riveted from front to back. I did not feel a second of those three hours. Um, and it's framed in this, in, in the, in the, in the context of this political dispute that not many people know about, um, of the uh, uh, the affirmation, or I, uh, the confirmation, I can't remember the exact words, of, of another scientist who kind of fucked over Oppenheimer, or another uh, politician, excuse me, who fucked over Oppenheimer. It's such a bizarre way of framing it, but the pacing that Nolan manages to get in all of his movies somehow just lends itself so well to this story. I knew who Oppenheimer was, I didn't know this much about his life. I don't know if many people did outside of Christopher Nolan. Um, but he's clearly so passionate about telling the story about a man who he views as being wronged by the American public and by the American, uh, by the American government. Um, certainly views him as a victim of the Red Scare, I think. Um, certainly was bold portraying the person who is viewed as the father of the atomic bomb. He portrays him in a very sympathetic and empathetic way, a man who was a bit of a womanizer and is arguably responsible or certainly has blood on his hands for the death of hundreds of thousands of people. Um, portrays him in a very sympathetic light, and I don't think everybody liked that, but no matter who you were writing a movie about, you're writing a movie about the most evil man on planet Earth you need to treat him with some empathy and with some understanding and at least convince people where he is coming from. Um, You know, we say this about villains all the time, that the best villains are the ones that are convinced that they are right and that you can convince the audience uh, has a point. You know, I'm thinking of Killmonger, I'm thinking of Heath Ledger's Joker, uh, I'm thinking of Thanos. Uh, Villains who do reprehensible things... uh, but are convinced that they're doing the right thing. I'm um, Not that Oppenheimer is a villain of this story. He's not. He's a protagonist. But the man who is responsible for the atomic bomb, a man managed to make, or Christopher Nolan managed to make a blockbuster hit that was nominated for 13 Academy Awards as of the nominations that were released yesterday about a man who is not smiled kindly upon by history. Um, I think that is such a... It's such an achievement uh, that is worthy of being talked about. Uh, this got, like I said, this got nominated for 13, nom- uh, 13 Academy Awards, and it's worthy of basically everyone. I can't think of one that I read that it wasn't worthy of. It got all the acting noms that we knew it was going to get. Killian Murphy, um, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt. Yeah, Blunt. Blunt, are, uh, arguably the weakest of those three, but I, I certainly don't hate it. Um, if she won, I'd probably be a little bit upset. Actually, I'd be quite upset over there upset. the names that were on there. But I, I like her inclusion in there. Um, all the below the line awards, uh, the sound, visual effects, the cinematography. It didn't get nominated for visual effects. Oh yeah, okay, I did hear that. <laughs> um, because because visual effects these days is largely uh, CGI driven, and uh, it doesn't have any, it c- doesn't have very much CGI in it at all. Um, another nomination for, uh, or another candidate, let's say for scene of the year uh the uh the test the first test of the Tonk bomb is um in a movie that is constantly paced in a way that is always moving forward we are on this train in this movie constantly moving forward never looking back always just on to the next scene on to the next scene on to the next scene and then we spend a large amount of time on the test when it happens um and it is a I think what Christopher Nolan was going for in that scene of the first test of the first atomic bomb um, was to make you feel how they must've felt in that moment. Uh, A a mixture of awe and fear and uh, amazement and a very strange pride that this project reached its fruition and went off without a hitch, but now also might be responsible for countless deaths moving forward. Um, the movie navigates emotion in a very uh, navigates complex emotion in uh, a very nuanced way, and that's what I liked about Oppenheimer. performances were great the uh, below the line stuff was great, but really it's the story of the way it handles this very complicated man with tact and empathy that's what I respected about Oppenheimer the most that's that awesome. <clears throat> I'm sure you saw me give a reaction
1: halfway through your Mm -hmm. dissection of the film, and it's because a hot take uh, came into my mind as you're talking about this. Uh, I've heard some of the discourse on the hmm, disdain for Oppenheimer as a person. Yes, he is responsible for the uh, invention of the atomic bomb and for hundreds of thousands of people dying. Um, Some people want to vilify him. Some people want to are so curious as to why we seem to be celebrating a man who caused such destruction. Um, How would you feel if a German scientist had invented it first? Yeah. Would you then wish that we had Oppenheimer instead? I'm pretty sure you would.
0: That that's, I think my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the movie um, from Oppenheimer that agree with what he did or not. You can fully understand his motivation when he says the line, I don't know if we can be trusted with an atomic bomb but I know that they can't. Yep. And that's, that's the whole thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I can understand why people want to feel that way because history played out the way it did. But if history played out with somebody else getting there first, we wouldn't be having this discussion at all. For sure. We'd be speaking German
2: <laughs>
0: or Japanese we're not, we're or, not ge- <laughs> or not speaking at all, or
1: we'd be speaking Japanese. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, but you know, that's, that's fine. Uh, Oppenheimer, I wish I had. I wish I had made the time to uh, rewatch this. Even after I saw it on the weekend of Barbenheimer, I realized I'd watched an incredibly well-crafted movie. That, pr- with the exception of me wanting to rewatch it prior to the Oscars, just to have it fresh in mind, I doubt I'll be rewatching very often. I just wasn't fully
0: entertained. Did, did you already state where you had this on your list?
1: No. Currently at 13. Yeah. So just missed. Yep. But never really was it going to make my list.
0: That's fine. Yeah. That's definitely fine. And you know what? I think I told you um in the lead up uh i actually did not i neglected to rate two movies this year i intentionally just did not rate them mm-hmm. um because i wanted to think on them outside of the spectacle and that was barbie and oppenheimer i just i just couldn't honestly rate them I, in a in a lot of ways i still can't honestly rate them uh because they're inseparable from the event that was their release mm-hmm. i think the excitement and the debate of which was better and how are they different um, I, I didn't know what to do with either of these movies on my list still because they're inseparable from the event. I know that when we look back on this year, as I said earlier, this will be the year of Barbie and Oppenheimer. I can't honestly sit here and tell you they are my two favorite films of the year. They are both exceptional, but I just, I had no idea where to put them on my list because we are still living in the ripple <laughs> that these two movies created. Yep. And, uh, I can't separate myself from that. So I'm not really sure what to do. Does that make sense? Does yeah. does. It does
1: to me. Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat>
0: um, all right. My number four film, I 100% get to talk about because you
1: haven't seen it. My number four film is The Killer.
0: <sighs> yeah. Too bad. I'm, uh, by the time the Oscars come around. But, uh, yeah, not right now.
1: Uh, Directed by David Fincher. Written by Alex Nolent, uh, Luke Jacquemont, and Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, Starring Michael Fassbender, Tilda Swinton, and Charles Parnell. Has a Metascore of 73. After a fateful near-miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. This movie... Going in, I knew I was going to like. It's a David Fincher film. And... So as is the case whenever one of our boys makes our list, my first note is Sam, David motherfucking Fincher. (laughs) Fassbender is absolutely amazing in this movie. Uh, This movie is expertly crafted. Um, I did not know that you hadn't seen it, so I'm going to not use my next note. Hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, because it would kind of give away some of the stuff in the movie if you haven't seen it. Um, This movie is very funny. Not like comedic funny, but it has a lot of very amusing moments Hmm. um, and is incredibly brutal. It is obviously beautifully shot. It is expertly acted by Fassbender. uh, Tilda Swinton is a highlight of the movie.
0: Does she play a CEO in it?
1: (laughs) Nope. Okay. Nope. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was almost played the other day, by the way. I I came so close to watching Michael Clayton. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, After we talked about it last week. Um, I really honestly can't talk too much about this because you haven't seen it. And uh, talking too much about it will kind of reveal some parts of the movie that I like which would not spoil the movie but could taint your experience in a way. So I'm just going to leave it at that. The killer was exactly what I was hoping for from Fincher and this movie. And it. I, I saw quite a few people.
2: <laughs>
1: I saw so many people that watched this movie and hated it and I saw a lot of people watch this movie and just thought it was just fine. Um, I can understand. I can understand the way they feel that way because they're basically giving the same type of um, opinions on the movie that I saw about Zodiac and Zero Dark Thirty. Mm. And so I can understand if you're not into... That type of film, that's what this is. So I'm looking forward to your viewing of this movie.
0: Yeah, so I do fully intend to watch this movie. Um, I don't know why we haven't really gotten around to it yet, but uh, for for what it's worth, I I knew that you were going to like this movie, and I I don't expect to like it as much as you do, uh, simply because it's Fincher, and it'd be difficult for me to like a Fincher movie as much as you do. Um, I'm looking at my letterboxed friends list right now, uh, nine people have watched it, mm-hmm. uh, including the P- including some PFGs. Um, there's one five. That's you. That's me. <laughs> uh, there are two fours, and the rest are either three and a halfs or threes. Mm-hmm. So um, consensus seems to be a little bit more middling, at least as far as audience scores go. Um, Fincher's always kind of been a critical darling. Um, so, I mean... I don't really want to speculate about my own star rating because even the speculation of it might affect what I wind up giving it. But I expect to at least like this movie. I just, I just haven't gotten around. I would be yet.
1: stunned if you didn't. Yeah. And I can,
0: I, I could tell you why people gave
1: it those lower scores, mm-hmm. but that would wreck it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving on to your number three. I know what these three films are. Can I get the order right?
0: Did you write down a prediction? Uh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um. Okay. So uh, on to my number three. Yeah. Okay, Manny. Hold on.
1: Okay, I have what it is in my mind. Okay. And I'll I'll be honest because there's.
0: Yeah, you'll be honest. I know you will. What? Like, I I hey, get what the number... fuck, why the fuck not? <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: what do I get out of it if I was right? Okay.
0: Manny, in the number three spot, is the longest film I watched this year. I was right. <laughs> sorry killers of the flower moon uh it was uh written and directed by martin scorsese of course also has writing credits from eric roth and david Grant, uh starring leo dicaprio lily gladstone robert de niro uh when oil is discovered in 1920s oklahoma under osage nation land the osage people are murdered one by one until the fbi steps in to unravel the mystery in my letterbox review for this film uh i basically said the following which is that I found this movie to be about the line between ignorance and evil. Uh, And this film, to me, argued that those are the same thing. They're two sides of the same coin. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is... A very interesting one to me we uh recently talked that he did not get nominated for this which is a bit surprising i guess he wasn't really campaigning uh wasn't campaigning at all yeah which i mean just goes to show how important campaigning is because if you had told me that leonardo dicaprio in a, in a uh critical darling scorsese film uh like one of the best reviewed scorsese films in years um if you had told me that that was not going to get nominated for an oscar you know i would have told you no fucking way but here mm-hmm. we are Campaigning's important <laughs> um I find his character so interesting because um, this is like the opposite of what Leo has traditionally played. He's never an idiot, and he's a fucking idiot in this movie. This character is a huge moron who is easily manipulated, uh, willfully disregards facts, doesn't really care about reality, just kind of does whatever he's told. Oh, that um, sounds like
1: Jordan Belfort of The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yet, the film does not exonerate him. the film The film doesn't say, "Oh, this guy just didn't know what he was getting into. He was just being used. He was just being used by the uh, people who thought he was going to be a useful idiot." This film is not that kind to him. It says, "No, like, this man did horrible fucking things, and at a certain point, he needs to be held fucking accountable." And I respect that take. I. I was not really expecting that from this film, but <laughs> Scorsese once again proves that he is able to pace a film even at the three and a half hour mark. Uh, this came out two days after my birthday, so I went. Uh, I went with a couple friends. I went with my brother and, and a few other, and my girlfriend and a few other people. Um and I don't know if everybody in the theater liked it as much as I did. I <laughs> certainly don't know if everybody in the group liked it as much as I did, but I was moved by it. I thought that Scorsese's still at his advanced age is he is He's in his 90s now or close to. Hmm. Maybe not in his 90s, but uh he's he's certainly um up I'm, there especially for a director. I'm going to go 88. That's probably probably pretty close. Um regardless of the exact age, even at his uh, even at his advanced age. Oh, sorry, man. He's calculating based on the birthday. I think. I uh, he's eighty nine. Eighty nine, cool. Um, so even even at his advanced age, he's able to take on this large of a project and uh and do amazing things with it. Um, this was clearly a story that was very important to him. Uh, he consulted with the Osage Nation in creation of the movie. Um, He got Lily Gladstone uh, a well-deserved Oscar nom at this point in history. Uh, A couple months down the line, we may say it's a well-deserved Oscar win. Uh, It's considered a two-horse race between her and Emma Stone as of right now in January of 2004. Um, All the performances top to bottom exceptional. Robert De Niro plays the puppet master very, very deftly. Uh, The man is still... One of the greatest living actors in his 80s as well, garnering himself yet another Oscar nomination. Um, I think this is another brilliant film from Scorsese in the vein of Goodfellas, in the vein of Wolf of Wall Street, about greed and corruption and evil and the blind eye that people are willing to turn to it when it benefits them and uh, and the repercussions that are waiting for them. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, depending. (laughs) <laughs> very very well put good point um i enjoyed the shit out of killers of the flower moon much like oppenheimer this is one that i need to revisit and sit with again but much like oppenheimer i need to actually carve out three hours of time to you mean, see it you mean four yeah well yeah three and a half for this one and then three for oppenheimer so um two of the films in my top five uh took up six and a half hours of my year six and a half hours well spent But definitely going to need to revisit because there's so much to digest. The last thing I'll say of Killers of the Flower Moon is that I know for a lot of people, uh, the ending didn't work for them. Um, Manny's pointing to himself. And for the people that I went with, they said the ending didn't work. I actually really liked the uh, direction that they took with the ending. So fair enough. For the second year in a row, one of my top three films is a controversial one with an ending that didn't sit well with a lot of people. Where I just went, fuck all y'all. I liked it. (laughs) That's Killers of the Flower Moon. That's my number three. This movie is absolutely spectacular. Gorgeous to look at.
1: Um, did it, it... Please tell me it got a cinematography. It animation. must
0: have. It must have. Um, because oh, I, you know what? It did because yeah. cause Barbie didn't, and they tend not to double nominate for those sort of things, and it's the same cinematographer. Okay. So there's a shot early in the film <clears throat> where the camera uh, gets a
1: bird's eye view, and it keeps pulling out, and you see all the oil fields. mm mm-hmm. uh, I remember leaning next to Mushhead. Me, Mushhead, and T-Bone went and saw this in Vancouver at a VIP theater. Oh, nice. And I leaned over. I said, uh, there's the cinematography nomination right there. Mm -hmm. The movie is expertly acted. Uh, Lily Gladstone, Leo DiCaprio, and Robert De Niro, all fantastic. Leo should have gotten an Oscar nomination. I'll find out shortly. I'm missing two nominated performances We'll see if I think that he was worthy of overtaking one of the other ones. The De Niro just, again, finally kind of getting back into what he's capable of. The last few years, he started to really remind us how good of an actor he is. You know, Silver Linings Playbook, this. We had that run where he was doing a bunch of comedies that were not good, and it was really hard to watch. But... He's absolutely spectacular, and I can't heap enough praise on Lily Gladstone, who I, I – while I haven't seen Emma Stone in Poor Things, um, let's just pull all of our cards on the table. I'm First Nations. The idea of a First Nations person winning an, uh, an acting Oscar would be massive um, and would really mean a lot to me.
0: Full. Fair enough. I have
1: no pushback on you for that. Yeah, full stop. Uh, like it would, it would just be incredible. And, uh, the movie is so incredibly heartbreaking, uh, throughout the movie, you're watching it and you're having an enjoyable time watching a horrible story. And then it, you're reminded like, Oh, this really fucking happened. Fun. Awesome. Yay. Uh, and then you go back to enjoying the movie and then you're reminded yet again, Oh, this really happened. Awesome. Yay. But uh, to deny how incredibly powerful and how incredibly well-crafted this movie is. I do remember when I saw it uh, in the theater, I did at that time truly believe that I felt, and it's obviously recent why I, I left the theater thinking, I'm like, Marty might win. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't think that at all, but no. this movie's really fucking good.
0: And this is... This is... One of Scorsese's finest in a uh, in an already stacked filmography. Yeah, granted, I ha- I don't have the experience with Scorsese that you- people like you and Wes do, but uh, but like this reminds me so much of Goodfellas and of Wolf of Wall Street in all the best ways. Mm-hmm. Yep, awesome, great pick at number number three. Mm-hmm.
1: So that leads me to my number three, which is your number five, Barbie. Directed by Greta Gerwig, written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, and American Ferrera, America Ferreira. <laughs> uh, Metascore of 80. Plot. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie Land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Uh, this movie is fucking hilarious. I hadn't laughed in the theater at a movie like this since Clerks 3. Hmm. And the only reason I laugh hard at Clerks 3 is I'm a homer for those movies. Prior to that, in a theater, I can't remember laughing this hard at a movie. I was giddy from start to finish with the exception of a few moments. Obviously, there's some dramatic moments that I wasn't getting at. But let's just get this out of the way. Will Ferrell sucks in this movie. I think he is horrible. Absolutely horrible. I don't find him funny at all. His scenes are cringeworthy. And even though my dislike for him and the scenes he's in, I, I literally don't find any of the scenes that he's in funny. This movie is still a five. Ryan Gosling and Simu Lee make this movie for me. Margot Robbie is fucking spectacular. I can't get enough of Ryan Gosling. I, I can't. He makes me so happy. His performance as Ken made me giggle from start to finish. On the second rewatch of this movie, when I when I watched it with Mushy on her first watch, I couldn't stop giggling. And she's like, What are you giggling about? And I'm like, you'll see. (laughs) He is so perfect for this role. Margot Robbie was robbed of an Oscar nomination for her performance in this movie. The way she balances the comedic and the dramatic moments. Her ability to hold the screen and to make this character believable is underappreciated. The writing of this movie is off the charts incredible, but it's not shocking considering who the two screenwriters are. We have Noel Bombach, who is fucking amazing, and Greta Gerwig, who has literally just become, amongst us in the PFGs, one of the must-see directors for the rest of her career. The songs in this movie are amazing. I Am Ken just fills me with joy. I love also that this movie uh, makes men angry. Hmm. I love that guys are so fragile in their egos that they can't watch a movie like this. It makes me happy. And it makes me sad for those fuckers that are that pathetic that they can't look past that this is a movie based on a doll Mm -hmm. that they think it's horrible. I would truly – all those people that watched this movie and said they fucking hated it, that they hated it, I would literally pay good money to have been able to sit next to them while it was on (laughs) for their first watch because I want to see if they actually watched that movie and sat there all grumpy face throughout. Because if they did, man, you have a sad life. Like, How could you not watch this movie and have a good time? Mm-hmm. I guess maybe if you can't buy into the type of comedy. I understand. It's a, probably the same people probably don't believe me that I sit through Anchorman like this. <laughs> so I, there are obviously people out there. But the fact that they can't just let it go, they have to shit talk it, makes me happy.
0: Man, I'm sitting here right now, and I I can't justify to you or to myself why this is so low on my list at number five. I just actually rewatched this earlier this week, and it was fucking delightful. (laughs) I had such a fun time watching this movie. I agree. Even as a Will Ferrell apologist, um, his scenes are... You don't have to apologize, because he's beloved. I'm the minority. No, but like even as a will Ferrell apologist, his scenes are not great. I they're, I don't enjoy them. I don't enjoy them either. Uh, it's not to say I don't find any enjoyment in them but they're definitely a low light and I wish I wish something was different about them. The inclusion of Mattel in the movie while kind of necessary for the plot just didn't is one of the low lights of the film uh none of those scenes are particularly funny um it but but just about everything else works on on a great level um i love all of the production design in this movie it's one of the most beautiful looking movies i'm even though it got nominated for almost everything not director um the other one that i'm upset about Besides the Margot Robbie snub and the Greta Gerwig snub is this is a gorgeous looking movie and the cinema, the lack of a cinematography nom is unfortunate. Um, I haven't seen everything. I don't have a specific pick I want to take out to include it, but this is a really, really good looking movie. Um. Not only, not only the scenes in Barbie land where it's shot kind of Wes Anderson-y, where it's a little bit symmetrical. We have these wide shots, very bright colors, lots of movement, lots of props, lots of practical effects. Uh, it's not just that. It's also the really gritty, realistic scenes, like the scene where um, where uh, Barbie uh, finds herself uh, in the basement in Mattel, uh, The the woman that she talks to there, how we switch to a very, very realistic film style and in a couple other scenes. Just the way that, uh, that Gerwig plays with, um, you know, I, I don't want to use the word plastic, but the way that the film kind of looks plastic for a lot of it and then goes really gritty for where we become, where Barbie's becoming a little bit more human. It's just such a such a brilliant filmmaking style that I, I have to commend her for and also cinematographer Rodrigo Pri, uh, Prieto, I think is how you say it. Yeah. Um, this is an incredibly emotional film uh, with some, fantastic laughs um I think why it doesn't go higher for me is some of the one some of the moments where I feel like I should be laughing don't work the best um in particular uh, the two examples that come to mind are the Will Ferrell scenes just aren't really that funny and um I, I think the the beach off scene which many people love just kind of gets like a snicker out of me and then I, I'm kind of waiting for it to be over by the fourth or fifth time they say beach off um But most of the Ken lines are hilarious. The fact that his job is just beach is good for many laughs throughout the film. Um, The fact that he falls in love with the patriarchy because he thinks it's about horses is fucking hysterical. Um, On the second watch, I enjoyed this film a lot more. The turn from Ken uh, from romantic interest to what he winds up becoming. I'm not going to get too deep into spoilers, even though I'm pretty sure everybody's seen this movie. Um, The turn from romantic interest um into the back half uh worked really well for me on the second watch um so yeah um I think it's an imperfect movie ultimately I think it's a controversial opinion to say but I think this is actually as of right now my least favorite Greta Gerwig film um but that's not because this film's bad it's because Lady Bird and Little Women are so exceptionally good (laughs) um yeah, so I, I still don't really know where to place this film. This and Oppenheimer, I, I still am kind of throwing my hands up in the air, like, what the hell do I do with this? Um, but I know that I will revisit this film often. It's gorgeous to look at. It's fantastically acted. Margot Robbie and Ken gave career-defining performances. Margot Robbie will be remembered as Barbie at the end of her career. Yep. This will be the film that she is remembered for, for nothing else. I
1: pray they don't ever make a sequel.
0: Yes. I pray. Oh, They probably will, though
1: like over a billion dollars yeah they're gonna try
0: yeah yeah so um at the very least there's got to be a ken spin off in the works right (laughs) i don't know maybe anyway um yeah i i already love this movie i've already seen it twice um part of me wants to put it higher because i had so much fun with it part of me wants to even put it lower because there are aspects that don't work in the film for me um so i don't know i'm kind of splitting the difference at number five for me on my list (laughs) makes sense makes sense All right, here we are,
1: number two. Uh, My number two film Mm -hmm.
0: is Past Lives. You're going to have to wait to talk about past lives. (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay. (laughs) Uh, my number two, Manny, I believe you had at number doop 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 five. That is the holdovers. Um let me see here. A cranky history teacher at a remote prep school is forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go and a grieving cook. This is directed by Alexander Payne, written by David Henningson. Starring Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa. First of all, Alexander Payne uh, has created a gorgeous-looking movie, like it is—it was just taken right out of the '70s. The graininess, the grittiness, is so delightful. the The little film spots that you get popping up, the retro title card, the the costuming. Everything about this just screams 70s, and it is so warm and cozy. I think those really are the best adjectives used to describe this film. Warm and cozy. This is the film equivalent of putting on some thick socks next to a fireplace and holding a hot cup of hot chocolate. This is a delightfully heartwarming film about the most Christmassy themes you can possibly think of, uh mostly misfits being left behind and finding solace in each other over the holidays. I expected this to be a little bit cheesy um, and it is, but in a way that completely works, it is so unafraid of its own sentimentality um, and is so earnest and honest. uh, You can't help but be charmed by it. It is an instant classic. I don't know a person who has seen this film and not been, instantly charmed by it i intend to revisit this just about every christmas i think um gotta give a shout out to paul giamatti for being nominated for best actor uh, i do believe he's won a couple of the big uh, circuit awards already um <clears throat> so we'll see uh, we'll see what happens come come oscar time i think he is considered one of the front runners for best actor
1: it's base it's just it's him and killian that's it It's a a two-horse race.
0: Uh, Also got to give a shout-out to Divine Joy Randolph, who I think we talked a little bit about in our uh, Real Talk episode uh, that came out before this, but she's considered a front-runner for uh, Best Supporting Actress. And then also Dominic Sessa, in his film debut, plays a snot-nosed little punk who, at times, you want to just wrap your arms around and tell him that it's going to be all right, and other times you want to break his fucking nose for being just a... (laughs) <laughs> just an annoying little shit and a thorn in the side of Paul Giamatti's character um I can honestly say that while this is a <laughs> while this is a, an overly sentimental Christmas movie that touches on a lot of cliche Christmas themes I didn't actually know how this was going to end and my experience of this film was while I was watching it as we approached the end and I began to see how it was that this film was going to end and what was going to happen between these two main characters played by Paul Giamatti and Dominic Sessa. As I realized what was going to happen, I can't explain the feeling that came over me, but it was, it was just like the the phrase "of course" repeated on a repeat in my head. Like I I can't really explain it. It's just like even though I didn't predict it, once it happened, I was just like I don't know how this could have ended any other way. Like that's just. The perfect thematic ending for this film and the way the things that these two men do for each other um, to help each other on their way is so delightful and so heartwarming. If you don't like this movie, I genuinely feel sorry for you. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of harsh, but like, really, if you don't like this movie, this is just the most heartwarming and delightful thing I've seen in a long time. I spent the money to buy this at Christmas time. And I'm so happy that I did. I'm so fucking happy that I did. The Holdovers was an instant classic and I loved it. This movie is
1: everything you said. This movie is everything I wanted it to be and more. I'm with you. I I wanted to see this movie so bad. I was so excited. Everything was talking about how good Giamatti was. And Giamatti is one of my favorite actors. He is somebody that when he is on screen, I am always in a good mood even when he's playing an absolute fucking piece of shit in a movie such as private parts. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? The Howard yeah. Stern? He plays, he plays a NBC executive who I don't think we ever learned his real name, but is referred to as pig vomit. Hmm. And that was my debut with, um, with Giamatti. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I've been on board since I love him in this movie. He is everything I wanted. And I'm, Hoping against hope that he can pull out the win come Oscar night. I'm it's just, it's if just give me one, just give me one. That's all I want. Actually, there's another one I want even more, but this one will be dude, this one will be really good. So, um, Dominic Sessa, in a, like you said, his screen debut, jaw dropping. And I was watching him, I'm looking at him, I'm like, I swear, I've seen this guy before. And I check his IMDb,
2: nope, I haven't seen him,
1: I have not seen this guy before. He is so good. His chemistry with uh, Giamatti is absolutely amazing. They must have done screen tests before, and he probably got hired because of that chemistry because they are so great on screen together. Um, Randolph just kills it. She is just kind of lingering on the outskirts of every scene, and then when she's front and center, fucking nails it. Mm -hmm. Fucking nails it. Really hoping she pulls out the Oscar win. She appears to be the front-runner in that category. Um, this movie is hilarious and touching. There's so many great moments. Um, like that right, right before the very ending of the film when Giamatti comes out of the office and says, tells him where where to look. <laughs> oh, fucking got me. Um, this movie is just superb i'm so glad uh you have it this high uh i absolutely love this movie and uh yeah uh this is a movie i i would definitely love to revisit every year around christmas time
0: awesome so i think that takes us to honorable mentions it if I'm does not mistaken. yeah
1: what are some of your honorable mentions sam
0: um you know what manny i think oh, okay i thought i exited out of my list for a second but i got it, it just on a, in a different place so right before we went on air mm-hmm. i'm not kidding i discovered two movies that i left off my list okay and I, I did add them in last minute i don't know if i want to tell you which they were but they did make it into my top 10 no, no fewer than two like right before we went on air i was like <laughs> I've, how I've, the fuck did i miss these I, I remember mad, i was mad at myself yes you were um so even though honorable mentions are really in no particular order, they're supposed to be in alphabetical order, I'm going to tell you that, uh, unfortunately, Rye Lane and No Hard Feelings just, like, at the buzzer, missed the list. I fucking I love it. I had that. Rye Lane 9 and No Hard Feelings 10. They're now 11 and 12.
1: I would have loved to have seen both of them on the list. Yeah.
0: yeah. I As I was putting it together uh, earlier today, I was like, wow, No Hard Feelings is really making my list. That's awesome. I was, like, happy for it. Um, and I was happy that Rye Lane was making, Rye Lane was on my list all year and I was so happy to throw it on there, but it just, just missed it. Yeah. Uh, other three in no particular order, I'll have them in alphabetical, um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, Saltburn and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, so, uh, brief note on Into the Spider-Verse, um, I did watch it, I considered including it in my notable omissions. I've told you this before, I can't remember if it was on air or off air, um, but, I watched it in kind of a not great environment. You told me this uh, last week. Yeah, the the TV that I was watching it on didn't have great speakers, and the people I was watching it with um, didn't want to didn't want to do subtitles. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of an unfortunate environment. And we we had uh, we had been out drinking, <laughs> so I was also a little bit buzzed while I was watching it. So my opinion of the film is not as developed as I'd like it. I do want to rewatch it. You did
1: say you pl- you're you're going to plan to rewatch it, but you just never got around to it, I guess. Yeah, hey? that's right. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's a good list. Um, we share one movie.
0: And our honorable mentions, yeah,
1: uh, and that would be no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other honorable mentions: Flora and Son. I absolutely love that movie. I haven't seen it yet. I had such a great time. That's with our
0: boy it. who did um, once. Yep. And um, Sing Street and Begin Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Carney is it? Yep.
1: Yep. Um, another movie that just missed out because I could not stop remembering how much I love this movie and that's pinball the man who saved the game
2: mm,
0: okay I um Letterbox has that as a 2022 so I wasn't totally sure if that was nope. uh, eligible or not
1: came out this year okay awesome. yep um another one I really enjoyed I had a really great time with uh was polite society
0: had oh a- yeah I never got around to that
1: absolutely loved it and a movie that got five stars that didn't make my top 10 uh it's still a Michael J. Fox story oh the documentary on him filled me with such joy that uh, it was an easy f- five, but it wasn't going to make my list, but I wanted to put it here because it's the way they tell that the way they film the documentary is unlike a lot of other ones. They do these incredibly great recreations mm-hmm. that I want to know who's playing Michael J. Fox in them. Cause you never see his face. You only see him from behind all the time. Mm-hmm. And he looks like Michael J. Fox. Cool. Uh, so I had a really great time with that. It really touched me really deeply. Um, even Michael J. Fox uh, fighting his Parkinson's disease still has that razor sharp wit, and it is absolutely am- like the opening. One of the opening moments of the movie is you're watching him. Um, he leaves his apartment. I, it looks like it's probably New York. I uh, and he's just walking down the street with his trainer, um, who's you know they're trying to keep the muscles as strong as they can while he still can, and he's walking down the street. And you just watch the the camera doesn't follow him. The camera is stationary, pans as he leaves his apartment and then starts walking down a regular street. And he gets a ways down as he's passing a lady and he falls down because he's got Parkinson's. And the lady like kind of panics and his trainer helps him up. And you hear him say, "Oh, you're so beautiful. You knocked me off my feet." <laughs>
0: That's super funny. Yeah,
1: absolutely delightful. Uh, and there's tons of other moments in there like this. Uh, I didn't. I actually forgot that he um, that he married um, a lady he met while making Family Ties in the '80s, and they're still married to this day. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me happy to hear about that. Um, yeah, it was a really touching and a really great uh, documentary about Michael J. Fox that. I will probably watch a few more times um, just because of how much it just filled me with joy hmm. to, uh, to to go, to go back right. on that.
0: Yeah, I saw that you gave it a five out of five. And that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, real quick, actually, I don't have your number two listed on my list for some reason.
1: Oh, yeah, we jumped past it. Oh, shit. No, we didn't because didn't... my number two is your number one.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you did say that. Okay. Yes. Got it. Understood. Yeah.
1: So... That let's see. Um let's see, what do I want to do with this? Uh, do I
0: no. Should I be able to deduce your number one then right now?
1: Uh nope, but it won't be a surprise. It, it won't be a shock when it comes.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what it is. Yeah, you, you do now. I think I do. Okay. You're number one. My number one uh is Manny's number two. Uh definitely one of the oh. biggest. Oh, uh Manny's gonna hold up his paper that says Sam's number one, past lives, and that has been face down on his desk the entire time. Um, I'll also note, last year you predicted Babylon at number one. Uh, you were correct, you were just a year early. Because <laughs> 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 I, uh, I had it at number two originally. It's almost um, like I know you. Yeah, it's almost like that. Um, <laughs> so that that actually makes sense, knowing what your number one is. But anyway, we'll get there. Um, uh, past lives. Nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rested apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. It's written and directed by Celine Song, starring Greta Lee and tae Yu. Yoo. Um, this is the most pure and emotional film I've seen in a long time. Uh, it's, first of all, absolutely outstanding visual filmmaking. Um, Celine Song and her shot choices throughout the movie there are so many shots in this film already after only one viewing that are burned into my mind yep. how beautiful they are and it's it's not a beautiful shot like um i'm just pulling out like atonement or something. it's not like big flashy set piecey sort of stuff it's just tender communicative shot choices that are something simple like two people taking different paths as as their lives are going to take a a different path or two people who are trying to communicate via text who are having trouble um, feeling connected um, where one of them has their face obscured by glare from a window stuff like that which is so communicative and beautiful to me um, with it having such a realistic uh, real life look Um, I was floored by the look of this movie, and I I fell in love with every frame of it, Um, and that's before getting into the subject matter, um, which, as as, um, was alluded to in the IMDb synopsis that I just read, plays with ideas of love and destiny. Um, I feel so empathetic to everybody in this movie. Um, This is more or less a glorified love triangle movie. This is just, it's about a love triangle. It's about two childhood friends who get separated and then reunite in adulthood when one of them is already married. Um, One of them has moved on and you, I had no idea what was going to happen to the runtime of this movie. I didn't know who's going to wind up together. I didn't know who was going to wind up heartbroken. Um, Little did I know Uh, the person who wound up heartbroken was me. (laughs) I I was fucking gutted by this movie. I, uh, I literally feel myself getting emotional right now. Um, this movie is exceptional for the entirety of its runtime. Um, but the final scene. Oh my God. On the sidewalk made me want to curl into a ball. Uh, I would not blame anybody who found themselves in the fetal position in a puddle of their own tears in this movie. Um, what I love most about the writing in particular is that everybody is in the right in this movie. There's no villain. There's no protagonist or there's no, I mean, everybody's kind of the protagonist. Nobody is the villain. You feel for everybody. Everybody's understandably, um, I don't know, tenuous. Everybody's understandably nervous about everything that's going to happen. You have, um, uh, the, a man traveling across the world ...to see his childhood love, who understandably wants to reconnect with her. You have a woman who is married uh, to somebody who isn't technically the love of her life... ...but is a very loyal and lovely partner who she doesn't want to break the heart of. Uh, And you have that partner who knows that his wife fell in love with somebody else before him... ...and wasn't able to connect, and he wants her to be happy, but he doesn't want to lose her... ...and doesn't want to lose the life that they've built together... Um, nobody is in the wrong. It all just sucks. (laughs) Um, and I, I would, I briefly considered holdovers for number one. I really did, but I would, it would be dishonest because this movie affected me so on such a deep emotional level that I, I have not rebounded from, (laughs) from what this movie did to me. It is really so remarkable, um, that Celine's song, in what I understand is her directorial debut. Yep. Celine's song pulled on my heartstrings like a fucking puppeteer. She had complete control over me for the entirety of the runtime. And Past Lives is one that um th- this <laughs> every time I get a new number one of the year, I wonder where it will fit into. My favorites of all time and I still don't it's too early to say with past lives uh where it will be but it definitely affected me on a similar emotional level to previous number ones of the year um I have no qualms and no hesitation in telling you Manny that past lives was the best cinematic experience I had this year it was phenomenal I had a great great time um and I only went through a handful of tissues. <laughs> Anything you want to add? That was so eloquent.
1: Uh, I hate having to follow you. Uh, I can't stop thinking about this movie. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I saw it. Uh, my initial rating of this movie after I finished it was a four. It has been a good two, possibly three months since I watched this movie, and I still can't stop thinking about it. It is, without a rewatch, become a five. Mm-hmm. It is, again, I agree with you, one of the most romantic and beautiful movies I have ever seen. This is a movie that I will be watching again and again and again. I was floored by the ending of this movie. That last shot, that last scene is absolutely phenomenal. I am so sad. Greta Lee did not get a best actress nomination. Mm. And I believe that she didn't because it is, as we like to say, a Tom Wilkinson (laughs) performance. There's no real showy moments for her in this movie. What she gives you is a fucking, Killer performance from start to finish. One that you can empathize with, one that you can connect with, and one that you just care about this character so much. That love triangle that you talked about is absolutely amazing. There is no antagonist in this movie. The antagonist in this movie is life. (laughs) Life sucks. Uh, This story really hits home for me. It hit really close to home in a lot of ways I love this movie as much as I love it it's still number two because it is not my best cinematic experience of this year
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't think it would ever be able to move into the number one slot but I don't ever see it dropping out of number two Mm -hmm. this is solidified uh in its spot and i am so happy i predicted correctly that it was your number one you did i love when i get it right (laughs) yeah
0: and i think you knew the year before because we had the same one i think you i think you we all pretty pretty well knew that coda was going to be our number one in 2021 Mm -hmm. and then uh 2020 we had the same number one but i think that may have even been a surprise to you it was
1: yeah yeah it was a surprise yeah
0: but now in retrospect of course makes ton of sense
1: yeah 2019 we both had endgame
0: yeah but yeah. that that was a surprise even to me. I, I had no idea what my number one was going to be that. Yeah, year. And then, yeah. So um, and so forth.
1: All right, those. That's your number one.
0: So my number one, Manny. Cause... I am excited to talk about. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear you talk about this movie. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell the people what uh, what took home the the trophy?
1: Uh, my number one is Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, uh, directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. Uh, written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, and Dave Callahan, uh, starring Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, and Brian Tyree Henry, has a Metascore of 86. The plot, Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. This might now be, arguably, one of the greatest sequels ever made. Spider Man Into the Spider Verse was my number one film of that year. 20- 2018. 2018. 18. When I heard they were making sequels, I was like, oh God. I'm like, please don't drop the ball. Like, you guys made a perfect film. It was, like I said, I remember sitting in the theater at Into the Spider Verse. I remember Kyle was on my left hand side. Kyle Graham, mm-hmm. not Kyle Robinson. And I leaned over to him, I'm like, it's, you're literally watching a comic book come to life on screen. Like, this is amazing. It's, this is like reading comic books. How are they going to be able to prove upon it? Well, what they did is they took the exact same animation style and added even more heart to it. Even more depth to the characters. And it wrecked me. Um, even the scenes where there's no action – Uh, There is an incredibly awkward yet touching scene where uh, Gwen meets uh, Miles' parents. And there's an incredible scene where uh, Miles and Gwen are just talking to each other after having not seen each other for a while. And Miles obviously has had a crush on Gwen, and she has feelings for him, but neither one wants to admit it. And he's trying to play cool, and she's trying to play... Mature, Hmm. And it's adorable. And I've been in Miles' situation where I have the hugest crush on someone who I would give anything to be with, but I almost kind of feel like they're out of my league. And I just want to spend time with them. And he's just desperate to spend time with her, so that's why he follows her and all that. Now when they start going into the multiverse, when they go (laughs) – when they meet, I can't remember the character's name, um, the, the Indian uh, Peter Parker, uh, uh, Pavita Prabharkar, uh played by uh, Karen Sony, uh, I fucking died, hmm. I fucking died. And one of my boys, quickly climbing the ranks of my boys, Oscar Isaac as Miguel, fucking spectacular. The action scenes in this movie, the the big opening action scene is Gwen fighting Vulture in a museum, and it's astounding. The chase scene uh, is amazing. The villain, played by Jason Schwartzman, uh, Spot, hilarious and fucking terrifying. There's I could not stop laughing throughout this movie. I could not stop being in awe. Of what I was watching. And unlike, I'd say, about 95% of the people in my theater, I knew this was only part one. And so when the movie ends, (laughs) without a full resolution and everybody was upset, I'm like, how upset are they going to realize when the next one's not coming out for probably three, four years? (laughs) Because, one, it's animation. And two, well, there was a writer's strike. So, Um. This movie just blew me away. If they stick the landing in part three, this would make it, in my opinion, the greatest trilogy of all time. There's other trilogies, but one of them is always faltered.
0: The great, What's generally considered the greatest trilogy of all time, I think, is one that you don't really like that much, which is Lord of the Rings. Yep. Yeah, and that's... Think what you will about it. It's... Arguably the one with the most consistent quality. Mm-hmm. I love the original Star Wars movies. Um, Return is a pretty clear drop, uh, in my opinion.
1: Um, yep, yeah. I can understand it. So Godf- I'll, I'll keep
0: my fingers... Godfather 3, big drop in the third one. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. Not only that uh, that the third installment of this uh, is as good or better as, the- as these ones are, um, and I'll also keep my fingers crossed... That they stop, <laughs> that they stop making these. Well, I guess they are making a Spider Woman, so I don't know if that would be considered the same trilogy or not. But they're making a, a Spider Gwen as well. Are they? I think so. Um, I I'd fucking watch it if yeah. it's
1: if it's this crew. Fucking sign me up.
0: Yeah, Sony began developing a Spider Woman film in November 2018 that would focus on three generations of female spider-related characters. Um, Lauren Montgomery and Toxa direct. I don't know who that is.
1: Oh, that's that's not Spider Gwen. That's Spider Woman. That's a different character. Uh,
0: Pascal said the film would focus on the characters Gwen Stacy slash Spider Gwen, Cindy Moon slash Silk, and Jess Drew slash Spider Woman.
1: I think that's a live action.
0: Yeah? Okay. I don't know. It just says spin off. Th- th- this is from the Across the Spider Verse Wikipedia page under the section spin off. Mm. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know. doesn't say live action anywhere. I'm not saying it's not. I just don't see it
1: okay Uh, if they do an animated one great
0: yeah um regardless of all of that um hearing you talk about this is delightful i am so happy you enjoyed this as much as you do i know uh, how much uh, these comics mean to you and how much comics mean to you in general and i know how much the first movie meant to you as well Um, i remember being shocked that it was your top of 2018 Mm -hmm. um knowing you a lot better now than I do back then, I'm shocked that I was shocked <laughs> that was your top of 2018. Um and I'm just I don't think
1: you had seen it yet.
0: I hadn't. You're right. Um I and I didn't fully understand just how much you loved it at the time. Um and this time around I I kind of had this as one of the front runners for your top of the year. I thought maybe past lives, but like in retrospect, like I I don't know how anything could have dethroned this for you um it
1: went, went right to number one when all, i watched it
0: yeah it's also partially because you and i discussed past lives you and i never really talked about this um because of the because of the unfortunate nature in which i uh, i watched it for the first time so i do intend to rewatch it i don't think it's going to propel itself into like top three territory for me personally i don't think so um but like it's so clearly a well-made movie and so clearly a well-written movie um but yeah, some of the things that you said, I remembered so vividly, like the villain being so cool, so cool, and so well written, and so empathetic, um, uh, and so relatable. And just like we were talking about with villains earlier, and some of the stuff I that you talked about, I was like, oh shit, I totally forgot that ever happened. And I'm I'm glad that I didn't include it in my top ten. So I don't think it's gonna wind up where I have it now, which is somewhere in the in the uh, in the low double digits. Um, but I think it's uh, I'm gonna have it on there probably for next year.
1: Awesome. Those are our lists. Great lists. Now it's time to make fun of other people. I love it. As always, as is tradition, we ask the PFGs to put forth their lists of their top 10. Now, I have said before, and I'll reiterate here, these are not the final lists. Because I've allowed uh, people to watch stuff. But I wanted—I told them, I'm like, if you want, your read, you want your list read on the episode, it's got to be ready by now. And they stepped up and they delivered. Now, every year, I, with a super secret scoring formula.
0: Hmm. Not I, even I know it.
1: Not even Sam knows it. I put together the five Best Picture nominees according to the PFGs. Usually at the end of our top ten episode, I reveal those five. That is not the case this year. Because I'm allowing people to watch more films. So this they will be revealed at the Sampas. And the winner will be revealed as well. So for the PFGs out there, the Sampas are... Da, 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 let's see here. March 7th. So I'm probably going to need top 10 revision lists by March 1st. That would go for me and you as well. Yep. And uh, that will be the final lists. Of the year, and then we'll announce our winner. But for now, we get the lists, which oh, I'd say probably for most of them, probably about 60 to 70%, probably finalized, mm-hmm. be my guess. To keep up with tradition, Charge didn't submit a list. Hmm. That fucker. Now, granted, I did actually have a phone conversation with him twice this week, mm-hmm. and uh, he is going through uh, a, a tough time. Yeah, sorry, Charles. Yep. Sorry, buddy. Yep. It, it, it really does suck, and I, I apologize. Um, But fuck you. <laughs> fuck you for not making a, true a list. true friend. Fuck you for not making a list. So making his top 10 of the year debut, we have our newest PFG, Kyle Robertson. Let's hear it. Here we go. I
0: still don't have a good read on Kyle. You I do. have no idea yeah. what I'm about to hear.
1: I can tell you he has shitty taste. Okay, here we okay. go. His number ten film of the year is Infinity Pool.
0: Uh had it on my list. Uh where did I have it? Off the top of my head, out of the thirty films I watched, it was probably like seventeen. Okay. Something like that. Hold on. Uh eighteen. 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 I All had right. that. Uh interesting movie. Uh not did not come close. Okay.
1: Uh his number nine, you would say, is perfectly placed he has maestro at number 9. Nice. Uh his number 8 I would say is uh a little low. It's Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Cool. Which is shocking to me cuz he hasn't watched all of the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think he's I think he's caught up a bit. I think he's only missing like four or five left. Something like that. Uh his number 7 is uh I think is it the only time it made somebody's list? Oh, no. No. Oh, yep. He's the only one there, so it is the only time
0: it made somebody's list. Uh, your honorable mention, Saltburn. Oh, nobody! Wow, nobody had Saltburn. Hey, yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's a I don't know. It's a it's a good movie. I can see why nobody really had it. But yep. The fact that nobody had it is pretty crazy. Uh, his number six, uh, in my opinion, uh,
1: way too low. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider Man across the Spider Verse. Okay. Uh, his number five. Uh you would say a little low. I'd say too fucking high. It's Oppenheimer. Okay. <laughs> His number four, you would say a little low. It's Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh.
0: Love to see it this high though.
1: His number three, you would say
0: a little low. Is the holdovers. Okay. Respecting the Mount Rushmore so far? Yeah.
1: His number two, you and I would both say it's a little high. His number two is Barbie.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Happy to see that.
1: And his number one film should not be a surprise. As soon as I say it, mm. his number one film of the year is Poor Things.
0: Oh yeah, because he got to see it. Yeah, the bastard. And I'm pretty sure that's his favorite filmmaker. Yeah, because we talked about the Lobster, right? Yeah. 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 So that makes perfect sense.
1: Uh, it's not too bad of a list.
0: I like it. I don't. I I hope that uh, Poor Things can be. Uh, a high entry on my list. I hope it's
1: one of my most hidden films of the year.
0: <laughs> Forget it. I now hope that for me too. <laughs>
1: Next up, our baby,
0: the young buck, Wesley. Little, little baby, Wesley.
1: We- well, Wesley Mineco.
0: <laughs> Cute as a button, that guy.
1: His number 10, in my opinion, is perfectly placed. As Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Good is, man. His number 10. His number nine, you would say is a little low. And I am stunned to see it this low. It's Oppenheimer.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely thought he was going to have that higher. Because S- Nolan's one of his boys, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, his number eight film, a movie I never fucking heard of. The movie is called About Dry Grasses.
0: Fucking what? Yeah,
1: you should have seen your eyes. That was... Fucking
0: what uh, movie? (laughs) About
1: Dry Grasses. Uh,
0: So, obviously, it is the only appearance on the list. 82 Metascore. Yep. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Looks like it's um, originally called Kuru Atlar Ustun. I'm going to go ahead and say Turkish. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, maybe Casey will see it when he goes to Turkey. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, his number seven film is perfectly placed. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Cool man? Yep, yep. His uh, number six film is a movie I desperately tried to watch. Unfortunately, it's only available in French on Crave. That is Blackberry.
0: Oh, it's only available. Yeah, I did see the discourse about that, actually. That's funny. Yeah. yeah I would. do want to see this one, too.
1: Same. Uh, I've heard great things. Me, too. Uh, his number five film, he really enjoyed this movie, as he has it higher than both you and I. His number five film, Anatomy of a Fall. Oh,
0: glad he liked it so much.
1: His number four film is, again, it's one of his boys. Killers
0: of a Fall oh, Moon. I would have I bet good money that was number one. Yeah. I'm very surprised at that. Yeah.
1: His number three film, Poor Things.
0: Okay. Looks like you and I are going to need to see Poor Things as soon as we can. Sadly.
1: His number two film, I would say is perfectly placed. You would say far too low. God damn. Past lives. God damn it, Wesley. And Wes's number one movie. You would say it's pretty high. I would say perfectly placed. Oh. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Fucking suck up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a solid list too. Yeah, no, it is a good list. For yeah, it's good. I'm not really able to shit on uh, too many people so yeah. far.
0: Yo, you guys, when you submit your list, like, give us some, give us some fodder. You yeah, know? like we need some to latch on to.
1: Oh, okay. Next we have Duncan. Oh, nice. I forgot to ask you, who do you think had the highest Metascore? Duncan. Do you, who do you, <laughs> I I forgot to do that. I gotta leave notes. Yeah. Who do you think had the highest Metascore out of all of us? Okay. And who had the lowest? I will tell you this. You finished second. Oh. Yeah.
0: Uh, so then who do I have the most similar movie taste to? Um, Jordan, maybe? Nailed it. Okay, cool.
1: (laughs) So you're at 83.2. She's at 83.9. Wes is 83.1. Nice. Uh, The young guns. The young bucks. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck fuck you guys. Uh, who finished Dead Last? Uh, Duncan. Harsh. (laughs) Uh, with a 59.6. Oh, boy. Are you ready to have some fun? I'm so ready. You, uh, said, give us some content to, Uh, uh... to shit on.
0: Uh, I don't know Duncan well enough to shit on him very well, so I hope it's okay. Yep.
1: <laughs> Duncan's – he's fine with it. Trust okay. me. he's He's
0: got thick skin. All right. Okay. Um,
1: so I will offer this caveat. So I give the caveat now or after about his list. Do we want to shit on it and then I give reasons or do I give reasons and then we shit on it?
0: Reasons first. Because if I shit on him and then these reasons unjustify the sh- the shitting upon, I'll feel bad.
1: Okay, so Duncan's seen 11 movies.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, that's fine.
1: Okay. So his <clears throat> number 10 movie, Shazam, Fury of the Gods.
0: That is the second worst movie that came out this year, so that makes sense.
1: Oh. Uh, his number nine film. <clears throat> number nine film of the year is The Flash. Okay.
0: In the context of having seen 11 movies, the second worst and third worst is fine for those.
1: His number eight film, eighth best movie he saw, (laughs) is Fast X.
0: Yeah. Did we talk with him about the Fast Fast and Furious franchise? Mm, Don't remember. Yeah. Not for me. Oh. That's the other film you gave one to. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I just w- remembering. I was waiting for it to register. Yes. <laughs> Got it. I don't think I actually said the other one was Dial of Destiny, but of course it's Dial of Destiny. It's not. Isn't it? No. <gasps> then I forget the other one. Oh, we just said it. Uh, Flash. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Flash was the, the really bad one.
1: The Flash is is in contention for my most hated movie nice yes it makes me angry I love that yes his number 7 film a movie that he lost a bet to me on I don't remember Transformers Rise of the Beasts
0: oh that the letterboxed rating would be higher than 3.5 or 4 yeah yeah let's take a look where. easy under easy under I
1: giggled I was like I wish we had money on it
0: yeah you should have bet money on it. I know. Transformers. Let's see here.
1: Rise of the motherfucking Beasts. Where are you? Uh, Rise of the Beasts. Pretty sure I said three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it finished at
0: 2.7. Which in Letterboxd uh, language is a long way. Yeah, long way that's
1: that's not good. hmm uh his number 6 film uh is one i've seen um so let me see where i think you saw it as well so let me just get the rating of it for i'll, I'll where, navigate to my where is it on my where is it, oh there it is there it is okay uh his number 6 film of the year is ant-man and the wasp quantum mania
0: i watched 30 films this year uh tw- 27 29 hmm. 29 uh, sitting at 45 out of 64? Yeah. yeah. Not a good movie.
1: It's here that the quality of this film starts to rise. Somewhat. <laughs> uh, his number five film, I don't think you've seen it. The top half. Yeah. His, his number five film uh, is a movie that was uh, surprisingly enjoyable. Um, I'd heard great things going, where the fuck is it on my list? Oh, there it is. I was like, it can't be that low. And I'm like, it can't be that high. Um, was a movie I'd heard was a lot of fun, and it 100% was. Uh, it is Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves.
0: You know what, man? This is another one that I really want to rewatch, actually. I had this low on my list, because mm-hmm. um, I watched it in similar circumstances to the Into the Spider-Verse. Not great film-watching expectations. Okay. Um, But uh, I did have a good time. It didn't make it particularly high. I put it 22nd. 26. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I want to revisit it. Uh, his number four film? Uh... At least it's something good. It's Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Respect. Love I love it. it.
1: Uh, then his movies take a fucking nosedive. I Uh-oh. shouldn't say his movies take a nosedive. Uh, the next movie takes a massive nosedive because I did not fucking like this movie. Now, granted, this movie, before I even reveal it, sits at 52 for me. Have I seen it? Um, possibly. Now, Duncan and I had a very in-depth discussion about this movie. This movie is important to him. Respect. He has a very deep connection to this IP. I have next to zero. His number three film of the year is a Super Mario Brothers movie.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah. I really had no desire to.
1: Did you play the games?
0: Uh, a little bit. I have it like I have a really old Game Boy color that I still have one of the Mario games for and I owned an N sixty four when I was a kid. Okay. So, like I have some connection, but not a deep one.
1: Okay. He told me that like he grew up playing all these games mm. and he told me like, he's like there's so many Easter eggs in there if you've played the games that just made him happy. Mm. So he loved this movie. And right. I remember and I'm like awesome, I'm so happy for you. Good idea. I on thought you, dude. I thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> uh his number two movie. Um both of us would say a little high, but we like it nonetheless. Barbie is his number two film. Good man. Yeah. And he's going to finish strong. It's his number one movie is perfectly placed. It's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, boy.
0: That, that film's doing well this year.
1: <laughs> Moving on. From junk to the top of the heap. Hmm. The highest Metascore rating, we have Jordan. So we're not going to really be able to shit on this list very much if it's got the highest meta score.
0: Anything's possible if you believe, Manny. Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> the all-time leader in PFG appearances, Jordan, her number 10 film is a movie I didn't get a chance to see. And all I've heard is how good this movie is. That movie is Godzilla Minus One.
0: Oh, man, I'm so bummed I missed this when it came to Kamloops. Everybody I know who's seen this loves it.
1: Yeah, same. Her number 9 film. A movie neither one of us has seen. You will rectify that soon. The Boy and the Heron.
0: Ah, yes. Yes, I will. You're not coming with?
1: I can't. I got to work. Ah, shit. Yep. Her number eight film. Little low. Little low. Killers of the Flower Moon.
0: Definitely low, but respect. Yep, yep.
1: Her number seven film. Both of us would say it's got to be higher than this. Her number seven film. The Holdovers.
0: I'm surprised. Jordan's, uh, Jordan's a total sentimentalist. I know. That's a that's a cheesy little movie right there.
1: I know. Step it up, Jordan. Uh, number six. Um, the only time it makes an appearance on anybody's list. And that's because she lives in a major market. And probably the only one that likes to see us, All of Us Strangers.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Griffon.
1: Yep. Her number five film. A little high. But I like to see it on the list. Guardians of the Galaxy 3.
0: Love to see that film doing well.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, Her number four film, you would say, is perfectly placed. Oppenheimer. Cool. Her number three film, I think, is a little low. As do you. Past Lives.
0: You know, I'm rooting for Past Lives, uh, but uh, Across the Spider-Verse is unfortunately turning into a juggernaut. (laughs) (laughs) Her
1: number two film,
0: it's a little low. Yeah, it's Across the Spider-Verse, right? Yep. And then number one's Barbie. Sure is. Nice. It's almost like you live
1: with this girl for a few years. Yep, I know know a thing or two
0: about Jordan's film taste.
1: Next up, sneaking it in under the wire because she was away in Florida. One of my two favorite punching bags. Duncan's climbing the list, though. (laughs) We got Mushhead. Mushhead's number 10 film. I don't know if you watched it. And it was better than I was anticipating. But it was raked over the coals. Hmm.
0: Sits at number 32 on my list. The Marvels. No, I, I had no intention of seeing this at all. Yep. The MCU has a lot of uh, good faith to re- regain with me after uh, after Quantumania this year. That's
1: fair. That's fair. Her number nine film. Did not know she liked it this much. Sad to see it on her list. Duncan is happy. The Super Mario, Super Mario brother. Brothers. Yeah. Yep. Her number eight film. I think she's the only one to actively talk about this movie after seeing it. If anybody else out there saw it, I'm sure we could just look on Letterboxd. I didn't. She told me she had so much fun watching this at the theater recently. That is the movie Wonka.
0: Oh, you know what? I uh, I did not see this, but I uh, I, I kind of want to now. Uh, she's the only one of my friends on Letterboxd to have it logged, so she's definitely the only PFG. Yep. Her number seven film,
1: I would say, is perfectly placed. And I want to reiterate, it was her idea to go see this movie when we were in Vancouver, Killers of the Flower Moon.
0: That is outstanding.
1: Yes. That is why she is one of my best friends. She's like, when we're down there, she's like, we should go see Killers of the Flower Moon in a good theater. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I'm like, are you asking for a marriage proposal? Mm -hmm. Her number six film.
0: Hold on. I have a quote. Oh, Manny's consulting the device. Yeah. We'll have to wait. Mm, where is it? Where is it? Um, mm, mm. I assume uh. we're pulling up a mushy text conversation. Yeah.
1: Um, ha, ha, ha. You're going to hate number six. <laughs> and to which I replied, You'll have to listen to the episode to hear my reaction. Mm. She replied, I can already hear it in my head. I watched it twice in theater. That's more than I watched any of the other ones on this list. It it. deserves to be here. Her number six film is Taylor Swift, The (laughs) Heiress (laughs) Tour. Okay. Now, I haven't seen it.
0: Nor have I.
1: I have no desire to see this. Me neither. I was going to take Maya, but thankfully, I mentioned that to Julie, who, frankly, got a little curt with me because apparently she wanted to take her but didn't inform me. Now, if I hadn't said anything, Julie would have been unable to because I told her, I'm like, when are you planning on taking her? She's like, well, I was going to plan – something with some of the other kids, I'm like, well, the movie's leaving Kamloops in two days, Mm -hmm. so you better get on it, which she did, and her and Maya went, and they had a really great time. Maya had a blast. I would have loved to have taken her because she wanted to go so bad, but I couldn't. I'm fine with it. My daughter loved it. Julie loved it. Mushy and her daughter loved it as well.
0: I spend more time than I care to thinking about Taylor Swift these days. Not because I'm a hater. I don't hate Taylor Swift. I don't hate people who like Taylor Swift. Um, but for some reason, this year she has just—she was already famous, but this year she just injected herself into the public consciousness in a way that I—I I have not experienced in a long time the the eras tour the movie about it Um, i am a football fan and she started dating one of the most famous football players in the world travis kelsey who probably is the most famous football player in the world now because he's dating taylor swift um she has just taken over the world it feels like in this year um i might be losing my mind but that's what it feels like Um, so i did not see this i don't have any intention to see this um good for mushy i have i'm I'm confident if you look it up on Letterboxd, it's one of the top films right now, I think, because only people who go to see it are exclusively Taylor Swift fans. Yes. So, it, of course, it gets a high rating, and fair enough. You know what's Love shitty? Thing.
1: You know what's shitty? I bet you if you go in there and you look at the reviews and you sort them by lowest rating.
0: They're all just people just being like, I didn't see it. I just want to lower it. Yep. Yeah.
1: That makes me fucking sick.
0: Because people are petty. Yes, they people are. are petty. Yep. Yeah. All right. No, let people enjoy shit. Yeah. Not for me, Mushy. I don't intend to watch this, although my girlfriend might make me watch it. Who knows? Um, and maybe maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll give it a five. Who knows? But uh, Who knows? Yeah. But uh, I have no intention of watching it on my own volition. But Same. Good Good for you, Mushy.
1: Yep. Very happy for you. Uh, her number five, I actually forgot, because her and I went and saw this together, I actually forgot of how good of a time she had while watching this movie. So it's really high. Her number five is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Cool. That was a lot of fun watching with her. Going to the movies with her is always fucking fun. Who am I kidding? It's always a fucking blast. Her number four? That's ah, fucking a little low. Come on, Mushy. Fucking step it up. Her number four film is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Win for the good guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her number three film? Perfectly placed. Barbie. Cool. Her number two film? I forgot how much she liked this one. Her number two film? is Guardians of the Galaxy 3.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember her saying in the chat, actually, how much she liked it.
1: Yeah. And her number one film blows my mind. I had no idea. It's one of the few films I didn't watch with her in the theater. I had no idea she liked the movie this much. Her number one movie of the year is Oppenheimer.
0: No way. Yeah. That's actually very surprising to me. It is. Good for her.
1: This Mm -hmm. list... I can't rip his part as much as I want to.
0: Past Lives Notably Absent.
1: Pretty sure she hasn't seen it.
0: Pretty sure she needs to. (laughs) Pretty
1: pretty sure I'll invite her over. You should do that. Which leaves my favorite person to pick on.
0: All right, Rach.
1: Rachel, I love you. You know I do. Chances are I'm going to spend all day Sunday with you watching three movies.
0: Oh, cool,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Give her my best if you do.
1: I will. And by best, you mean like a swift kick in the head, right? Yeah, like best headshot. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'll give her my
1: best. Okay. Um, Her number 10 film is a movie I fucking loved. Loved. I don't know if you've seen it. I think you'd really enjoy it. Her number 10 film was my number 18, Theater Camp.
0: No, I haven't haven't seen it.
1: Ple- I, I pl- I please tell me it is on your watch list.
0: If it's not, it's going on.
1: I think you would really like that movie.
0: Yeah. I have heard of this, and I am aware that it's uh, it's getting uh, some good reviews. It is. Throw it on there.
1: Her number nine film, in my opinion,
0: way too fucking low.
1: In your opinion, way too fucking low. Her number nine film is
0: Past Lives. Oh, come on. Come on. Ray. Where's your heart? Where's your soul?
1: Her number eight film is a movie I was really excited for that I'm sorry to say didn't live up to my expectations, but stars one of her, sorry, I keep forgetting. I was going to say one of her boys, two of them apparently. Her number eight film, The Iron Claw. Ah,
0: Jamie Allen White and Zach Efron,
1: who. On my initial viewing, I didn't think he was that good in the movie. Uh, In retrospective, in retrospect, sorry, not retrospective, in retrospect, um, he actually is quite good. Zac is. Yeah. Is it
0: streaming somewhere?
1: No, 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 no. It's still in theaters. Yeah. I know I can count on you to do this, because you always like to go in as blind as possible. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Go in as blind as possible. Ironclaw. Yeah. Done. Go in as blind as possible. And then just be prepared to, like, holy
0: fuck. What I know about the Iron Claw right now, uh, in this point in time, without having seen it or having looked up any reviews or anything, Mm -hmm. um, it is a story of a wrestling family Mm -hmm. who is famous and or infamous for having uh, quite a lot of tragedy follow them. Yep. That's about it.
1: And you won't believe how (laughs) fucking bad it is. (laughs) There is... There is a scene... Tell me later. No. <laughs> no. No.
0: Later, uh, no, num- like, after I watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, her number seven film, I don't understand, like, am I reading this in the wrong order? Because her number seven film is The Holdovers.
0: Oh, come on. Number seven, Holdovers, and number nine, Past Lives? Yeah. That's sad. That makes me sad. Her
1: number six film, is
0: Perfectly Placed. No, it's actually high. <laughs> low for
1: you, high for me. Hmm. Killers of the Flower Moon. Cool. Uh, I'm looking at a list. This is a really good list. And the only thing I can shit on is some of the films I love being low. But a number five film is a little low for you. Oppenheimer. Cool. All right. Happy with that. Number four film, not surprising to see it this high on the list for her affinity for these type of films. Her number four film is Godzilla minus one.
0: Nice. Oh, I love I love that making some high appearances.
1: Her number three film, the only time it is on anybody's list, and this is at number three. A film you and I have not seen, American Fiction.
0: Oh yeah, no, can't, I definitely want to see that.
1: Her number two film, it's a little low for me. Spider Man, across the Spider Verse. That was number three. Number two. Number two, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And her number one movie,
0: Sweeping the Nation. Barbie. Yeah. No surprises there. Yep. Nope. So I think I, I'm just – I'm going over my own <laughs> list. And I'm trying to see how many um, one-offs I had, like how many uh, films I had on my list that nobody else had. I'm pretty sure I have one, two, three. I think I have three. I see two. Who had Maestro? Um... Oh, I thought somebody else had Maestro. Oh, yeah, there it is. Kyle. Kyle had Maestro? Yep. Okay. So then in that case, it's just Asteroid City and talk to me. Yep. The only one who had him.
2: Uh,
1: I got nothing. Oh, no, I got the killer. Fuck y'all. I'm the only one with the killer.
0: Did anybody else see Asteroid City? Jordan and Wes both saw Asteroid City and Kyle. (laughs) Guess they didn't like it as much as me.
1: All right. Okay. So next up we have a tradition of uh, our most anticipated films. Instead of uh, going back, I pulled the audio.
0: Oh, great. This should be good.
1: Do you remember what your most anticipated film of last year was? I do. Okay. Are you ready to hear? Yes. All right. Let's go. Okay, Sam. What is your most anticipated film that hopefully you'll get around to watch?
0: Yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll make time for this. I, no, have, I, I have a guess what it is. Okay, I have it written down. Do you want to? Do you want to make your guess? Is it Dune Two? No, actually, it's not. Um, that's on. on the short list. There's kind of three that it could have been. Okay. Um, I went with Oppenheimer. Yeah, um, really respect Christopher Nolan as a director. Um, somebody with I think nine films at this point in his career, um, all of which are at least good. Mm-hmm. Most of them great. All right. Oppenheimer. That's actually not what I thought it was. Um, I do remember what my... Uh, what your predicted number one is? I remember what my predicted number one is because I remember a sentence that I said.
1: Okay, cool. We'll we'll, we'll get to that shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Oppenheimer, most anticipated. Made your list, right? Yeah, number four. Number four. Not bad. Pretty good.
0: Not bad. Um, Worth the anticipation. Do you remember what mine was? Your most anticipated? Yeah. Um, I don't think I do, actually. No? Okay. Well, let's
1: find out what it was.
0: My... Oh, I I must. It was was it Spider Man? Let's find out. Okay.
1: My most anticipated film. Uh one, two, three. I have I have like three kind of ones I'm other anticipating, but I have one true answer. Okay. Do you want the other three? Sure, why not? Okay. Um so I'm gonna start with this one. This is the one I'm anticipating because I'm terrified it's gonna be fucking horrible.
0: Uh, it's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, dude. That's an interesting direction to go on for your anticipated film. So you just want it to come out so you can know that it doesn't suck. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't see how it won't. It Is, is it Spielberg directed? Nope. Who's directing? James Mangold. Who has done? Um, Logan. Okay. Okay, Three, that's th- encouraging.
1: 310 to Yuma. He's a really good director.
0: I assume Spielberg
1: producing. I would have to assume so. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course him. he is, because he's it's his, it's one of his babies. Yep. The other one, um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 mm. and Dune 2. Yep. But the one I'm looking forward to the most is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse.
0: That's the sequel to uh, Into the Spider-Verse, yep. right?
1: All right. My most anticipated film of the year ends up being my number one.
0: Shame about Destiny, though. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. That was a rough one.
1: I'm going to guess without looking. It's in the 50s.
0: 55. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes.
1: And it was and it was an anticipation in, I, I just need to see this. I know it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. I was holding out hope. I, I had the, the Top Gun Maverick hope that they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, I was wrong. Oh, uh, I, I forgot to mention this. Uh, would you like to know the 11th film that Duncan watched? That's oh, the, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: it was 65. What is that? Oh, that's <laughs> that. the Adam Driver dinosaur movie. Yes. And he hated that, hey? Oh, yeah. that's uh, too bad. Uh, it's uh, 65
1: is my 56th. Nice. <laughs> um, Okay. So your most anticipated was Oppenheimer. Made your mm-hmm. list. Uh, mine was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Which makes my number one. Um. Sam, what's your most anticipated film of 2024?
0: I have a lot listed out here, um, okay. and I'm just giving it a skim. Make sure there's nothing else that will overtake this. Yeah, okay. So for arguably—I'm well, trying to actually think back here. I believe it's the fourth out of like out of five years <laughs> that we've been doing this podcast— I'm going to list a Dune movie okay. as my most anticipated film. Is uh, that like your final answer? That is my final answer. Okay. That's 100% my final answer. Um, Dune 2 is my most anticipated. There are other candidates. Uh, I don't know if I need to list any off or if I should. But... Why, why don't you fire off like maybe three.
1: Uh, why don't you fire off three?
0: Yeah. So like a couple that um, that are I'm anticipating that I think are going to be really good are going to be like Mickey 17. Uh, Bong Joon-ho is a pretty safe bet these days. Most of these are just based off of uh, director. So I yeah. think Furiosa is going to be really good uh, coming up. Um and uh, Nosferatu, Eggers. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited for all those.
1: Th- that's a solid list.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um, but okay. yeah, I'm, I'm going with Dune.
1: Okay. So I'm going to give three movies that I'm anticipating, mm-hmm. and then I'll give my answer. Yep. And I think it's one that I think my most anticipated isn't even on your radar.
0: Okay. Are you ready? All right.
1: All right. So the three that I'm looking forward to that I am anticipating, Dune 2, obviously. Yep. Civil War.
0: Uh, I do have written down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good choice.
1: And perfect.
0: That I'm not aware of.
1: Okay. That's not my final answer. Okay. It's Olivia Wilde's new movie. <gasps> oh. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. American gymnast Kerry Strug tries to overcome a terrible injury in order to compete for a gold medal in the 1996 Olympics. It's McKenna Grace and Thomas and McKenzie.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah. That sounds great.
1: Okay. So I'm still on Olivia Wilde's side.
0: Yep. I, I never wound up seeing Um. Don't Worry Darling. Um, which was your most anticipated and your predicted number one. Yeah, I did. (laughs) It started getting shit reviews and it kind of fell fell down my my watch list. Emma still says that she's going to make me watch it and I've yet to... She gave it a four or five. I think so. I think she... uh, Four. I think she liked it.
1: Oh, she loved it. It's a four or five. I know
0: some stuff about it now. Cool. Um, So I... You know, the the subject matter, let's say what I do know about it intrigues me, but it's the, the middling reviews that concern me.
1: As they should. Yeah. Okay. So, my most anticipated film. I'm I don't know if this is a cheat. It's actually two movies. But
0: Oh, I this is on my radar. Is it really? This is on my radar and it's on the little shortlist that I got. Okay. Yeah. So, it's Horizon 1 and 2. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Kevin Costner's new project.
1: Kevin Costner's new project coming out in June and August.
0: It's like a two-part western epic, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. And I am really fucking excited. Cool. He is as far as I know, directed 3 films. As far as I know, he's directed Dances with Wolves, The Postman, and Open Range. Mm-hmm. Films. I th- I'm pretty sure he's done some TV cuz I think he di- no he did not direct The Hatfield and McCoy's. But I think that's it for directing. I think he's a really great director. The Postman's a piece of shit, don't get me wrong. But the look of the movie is really good. There's some really amazing shots in there. The movie just happens to be complete garbage but open range and dances as wolves are complete utter fucking brilliantly made films especially Dance with wolves i am the idea of kevin costner making a western two part western epic has me fucking pumped mm. pumped
0: yeah um i want to i want to give a, a little homer shout out too yeah. i highly doubt you've heard of this person or this movie i just want to give a shout out to chris stuckman who is a uh, a film reviewer on youtube he's actually like one of the one of the og film reviewers um he's been around since like 2008 on the platform Mm -hmm. uh and uh is still still kicking around um i've been following his channel for a long time and he is actually making a film of his own for the first time called shelby oaks i don't know if it's going to be any good it's supposedly a pretty low budget sort of thing but um i know that he's a passionate person about film because i've been following him and his career for a long time uh i respect the way that he reviews film i respect the way he talks about film um, this year or a couple years ago, maybe he said he's just going to stop releasing negative reviews on his channel. He's like, now having worked on this film, I can't imagine talking about anybody who has undergone this process in a negative way ever again. He's like, there is so much work that goes into this. I am not going to talk negative about anybody who even tries to do this ever again. Only positive reviews from now on. I'm like, I'm like, I fully respect that. So for that reason, I'm excited to see Shelby Oaks. Is it going to be bad? I legitimately have no idea. It's a horror movie. It's about I think it's coming in a 90-minute runtime right now. Okay. But it's coming out this year. I just wanted to give him a shout-out because he's such somebody I've followed and respected for a long time, uh, and he's tentatively on my radar. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: moving on to our predicted number ones. I pulled that audio as well. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Here's Sam and who he predicted would be his number one film of the year, which we understand isn't basically – an activity that
0: is... Futile. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but fun nonetheless.
0: Yep. I, I do remember what this is. Uh, cool. Because I remember a sentence that I said. All right. Here we go.
1: Maybe I don't know how much of the clip I kept. Okay. But here we go. Sam's number one. Predicted number one. Um, Sam. Yeah. What's your number one movie of 2023 going to be?
0: Um, I did want to say it's Oppenheimer. The re- I went with Oppenheimer for most anticipated because I've been anticipating it for the longest and the most. Um I don't think it's going to be my number 1 this year. Nice. Um another candidate I went with could have been Dune 2. I also don't think it's going to be number 1. I'm going to take a bold I don't think this is even that bold. I I've been burned once before going with a director that I respect with at least one cast member that I respect, but I'm going to do it again. God damn it. Can I guess it?
1: Yeah. Which, is it The Killers of the Flower Moon? No. Oh.
0: Going with Barbie. Holy shit going with barbie oh i f- fucking love it i believe in greta gerwig i love it i believe in greta gerwig i believe in ryan gosling and who's the, who's the i can't remember who is in that movie right now there's one other big cast member in that movie
2: bargo robbie
0: yes thank you the one who's actually <laughs> playing barbie I thought,
1: <laughs> I thought that was the actor you respected <laughs>
0: no dude i'm going with ryan gosling baby barbie not bad Listen, one of Ryan Gosling or Margot Robbie got nominated for an Oscar. Okay, so <laughs> I retroactively uh, feel pretty good about that. And uh, yeah, the sentence that I remembered saying, I mouthed as I was saying it yeah. on the audio clip to Manny. I believe in Greta Gerwig. Um, actually, very happy with that prediction in retrospect. Didn't hit number one. Um, as number five. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, as we've talked about, uh, it's kind of a futile thing trying to predict your number one a lot of the time, especially because my number one this year is a film I had not heard of at the beginning of last year. Yep. Uh, my top of 2022. Why can't I think of my top of 2022 right now? Jesus. Do you, you predicted or what you... Like, my, literally my top movie. of Everything, everywhere, all at once. Jesus, yeah. Had not heard of it at the beginning. 2021, hadn't heard of CODA. You get the point. Yep. Like, these films... The your... year before that, you hadn't heard of it either. Palm Springs, Palm Springs. And then I had heard of a little film called Endgame. But, but you get the idea. These films just waltz into your life Do you remember sometimes.
1: what you predicted to be your number one of 2019? Uh, Avengers Endgame was
0: your number... Number one, do you remember what you predicted that year? Okay, hold on. Um, so we had Inuyou, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Marriage Story, two thousand, uh, sorry, nineteen seventeen. Uh, it didn't
1: make your top ten, dude.
0: Oh, dude, was it like Rise of Skywalker or something? Toy Story four. Ah, yes, too bad. Yeah, yeah, swimming a miss on that one. That's what I'm talking about. I think that's a beautiful thing that uh, you know, the ones that you expect or the ones that you don't expect on them are the ones that hit your hardest. Yeah, so I love it. Yeah. And Um, sometimes you don't even see the ones that you expect to be your number one. All right. Ready for mine? Yeah. Do you remember what I guessed
1: to be my number one?
0: I think I'm going to guess probably Dune 2. I don't know. Okay. Here we go. Uh, uh, (laughs) Spider-Man. Okay.
1: So last year I predicted my second favorite director Mm -hmm. to provide me with my number one. My favorite director has a movie coming out next year. So it was easy for me to pick David Fincher's The Killer. To be my number one movie yeah, next nice. year.
0: Yeah. The killer. Nice. And also good for you. You did, uh, got up to number four. Yeah. I, I, as I wouldn't have been surprised if you predicted, uh, Across the Spider Verse to be your number one, but.
1: Yeah. But I had as my most anticipated, so I wanted to have two different ones. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: we also had, before we get into ours, actually, no, we can do ours. Do you want to do ours? No, no, no. Before we get into ours, before we try to predict our number one, um, we actually last year, Decided to try and pick some of the PFG's number one films. Oh, nice. So, starting um, with Wes, we predicted Wes' as number one. We couldn't decide. So, we allowed two. We predicted Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon to be. I'm his sorry, it wound up being. Uh, Oppenheimer was nine. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon was four. His actual number one is Spider Man. Right. Okay. Jordan, what do you think we predicted her number one to be? Barbie. Correct. What was her number one? Barbie nailed it. <laughs> we predicted Mushy's number one film to be Guardians, and we weren't far off. It was honestly. her number two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're fucking great. Yeah, her actual was Oppenheimer. Okay. Um, Rachel, do you remember what we predicted?
0: Uh, we Little, little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah,
1: didn't even make her list. Yeah. Uh, and then we did predict for Abby who didn't submit a list. We predicted Abby's number one to be Elemental. We'll have to figure out if that was the case. I'm gonna guess probably not yeah uh are you ready to predict what your number one film of 2024 is? i'm
0: considering calling an audible and switching it from what i have written down yep uh no we're gonna go bold uh you know barbie kind of worked out like i i came close on that okay Just a director that i trust and a project that i'm kind of interested in cool and that was barbie last year all right um so we're going to go with Nosferatu, uh, with Eggers. Nice. Yeah, he has not had a misstep yet. Northman was a four, Witch was a four, and um, Lighthouse was a four. Uh, he's been really consistently good so far, and those were, like, good fours. Okay. Um, He's been really consistent, and I, uh, I trust in him. So uh, here's, here's hoping. Don't let me down. Nice. I decided to take a complete flyer
1: on a movie I didn't even know existed. Oh. I was just going through... The schedule like what's coming out this year so i and i saw a film starring two movie stars that i fucking love and the last time that the two of these guys were in a movie together is a is a trilogy of films that i love so i'm taking a chance made by a director whose films i enjoy this movie is called wolves this movie stars george clooney and brad pitt this is directed by John Watts, who made the Spider-Man films.
0: Right, okay. This movie about
1: this. is about two lone wolf fixers who are assigned to the same job. Hmm. This sounds amazing. <laughs> so I'm taking a flyer on a movie I've never heard of to be my number one film of the year.
0: That's sweet, man. I yeah. love that. And you know what? Clooney and Pitt is a, is a safe bet. Yeah. You know. I, I hope you're correct. Actually. Me too. Because that means... We got a great movie with George Clooney and Brad Pitt this year. Yeah. So that that benefits me too. Yeah. I took a flyer
1: on a movie I hadn't even heard of until two hours
0: ago. Nice, man. Yeah.
1: Okay. So to continue a new tradition, you and I, prior to recording, decided to um, predict what some of the PFG's number one films of 2024 are. Do you want me to read them? I guess I'm the only one with the list, so I'll read them off. Sure. Why not? Okay. So... For Wes, actually, you can say this one
0: because you pronounce
1: it better than me. For Wes, we predicted.
0: I actually don't remember. Hold on. Joker. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, foie yeah. I think. <laughs>
1: yeah. So we're thinking Wes's number one film of 2024 will be Joker foie Sure.
0: Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't speak French. So I assume that's I it. am
1: <laughs> dreading that
0: movie. Yeah. Uh, Joker was a three for me. Um, I'm I, I'd be lying if I said this was among my most anticipated. If this is in my top ten next year, something has gone horribly right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Duncan.
1: Do you remember what we predicted for Duncan?
0: God, I have the worst short-term memory of all time. No, I don't. All good. Deadpool three. Great. Yeah, yeah. Deadpool three. Mm-hmm. Easy one.
1: Uh, you should be able to remember Jordan's.
0: Uh, yes, because it is directed by Bong Joon-ho and yeah. starring Robert Pattinson. Yeah. So, uh, Mickey 17. Mickey 17. See you next year for Jordan's number one. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wait. Um,
1: let me see if I can find this. Uh, hold on. There is another one. Uh, let's see here. Let's go here and here and here. There it is. Um, Pretty sure it's coming out this year. Um, it is called "We Live in Time," so I'm gonna add this to our list because, and you'll know why as soon as I tell you who the two the two stars of the movie are: Florence Pugh and Andrew Garfield.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good pick. Uh,
1: so yeah. It uh I'm we're we're hedging our bets. We're putting in two for Jordan.
0: Yeah. I still I still feel pretty strongly about the Bong joon Ho movie. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh good backup. <laughs> I remember I, I, I can't remember
1: I was listening to a podcast, they mentioned uh that movie, We Live in Time coming, and I immediately texted Jordan I'm like, Have you heard of this? She's like, Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh for Rachel, we picked
0: uh sorry, just navigated away that's... from my list. Uh M- no, what did we pick? Mufasa. The oh yeah, came. naturally. Yeah, yeah. cuz she loved the the uh, live action debut, oh, right? Y- yes. It was I, like your topic of the year probably. I bristle at it being called
1: live action. <laughs> <laughs> the air quotes live action. Yes. The live action that is all CGI? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um for Kyle, we're still getting to know Kyle. Yeah. So we took a flyer and he's got the same one as you. We picked Nosferatu. Yeah.
0: See you at the theater, Kyle. Yep. See you in the winter <laughs> circle next year.
1: And uh, for Mushhead, uh, I picked a movie that Sam didn't even know was coming. Yeah. Uh, it is the Lord of the Rings, the War of the Rohirrim. Rohirrim?
0: Sure. I don't know. Okay. I have not watched any of the Rings of Power. Okay. So I I don't know. I I've not really been connected to this franchise. Uh, the Hobbit kind of lost me, honestly.
1: Okay. So I, I'm taking I'm taking a flyer for mushy uh i know how much the lord of the rings movies mean to her so i figured a new lord of the rings movie might be the top of her list so we'll see
0: how we do now Uh, if so uh oh you know what for some reason one of the sites that i used to prepare for this had beyond the spider verse as like an anticipated movie this year but you're right that it's coming out it's gonna be several years for that right like it's not it's not like they made it alongside across and correct okay yeah just making sure
1: uh, if any of the PFGs or if any listeners would like to try and take a guess on what Sam and I's number one for 2024 would be, let us know. I would, love, I would love to know. Love to know. Um, yeah. Then you'll have bragging rights.
0: Look into my soul. Tell me what my favorite will be. Convince me that free will is an illusion and that all my actions are predetermined. Wicked.
1: That wraps up our top 10 of
0: 2023.
1: 20... Sam, what do we got going on next week? We have, we, have a, we have a guest next week.
0: Oh, yeah. We have well, little baby Wesley. Little uh, baby Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he loves that.
1: I'm going to refer
0: to him that all mm-hmm. next week. Uh, yeah, Wes is coming on for Kundin. Yes. Uh, Martin Scorsese directed film, uh, getting back to 1997, yeah, I believe. Yeah, a movie I have not seen. Yeah, no, nor have I,
1: obviously. And as per tradition, Sam hasn't seen a movie. He gets to guess the plot.
0: Yeah, so I do know that this is about the Dalai Lama. Okay. I know I know that much about the film. Okay. Um, what exactly it is, I, I think there's a child on the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say it's probably about the selection slash discovery, I think it's called, process of selecting a child to become the next Dalai Lama. Okay. I think it's going to be about that process, about the current Dalai Lama that we have.
1: Okay. Um, since I've never seen it as well. Uh, and I don't know much about it, but I'll give my guess. I'll make it simple I I same, I knew I know it's about the Dalai Lama. So I'm gonna guess it's about the Dalai Lama's early life.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's see how right we are.
1: I'm very uh I'm looking forward to it. I always I always enjoy it when I get to review a movie I haven't seen. So please remember to rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes if you give us a five star rating. It does help increase the profile of our podcast. We would love to get some more listeners. We would love to grow the podcast. And that's a great way to do it. If you're ever talking about podcasts with your friends, just give us a little mention. Say, hey, my buddy's got a podcast. Why don't you give it a listen? Mm -hmm. We'd love you for it. You can also give us a rating on Spotify, which I'm sure helps us somehow as well. Probably. You can uh, follow us on Instagram and threads at sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can follow us on Facebook, which I need to post more on. You can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Letterboxd at Manny42 and Sam Reimer, respectively, for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. I'm
0: Manny Manuel. What if this is a past life as well, and we're already something else to each other in our next life? Who do you think we are then? I'm Sam Reimer.
2: Adios.